Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell with me, Simon Aiken, and... And I'm Keith Isles, and we are both independent filmmakers who enjoy discussing movies and related media. And for this Fright Fest 2018 review, we are pleased to be joined by recurring guests and fellow filmmakers, Mike Tech and Clive Ashenden. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hello. Good to be here. So there you go. Another year. That was a really good intro, Keith. (laughs) (laughs) But I've done a few of them now, haven't I? (laughs) You have. So, yes. So um, we are in the week following uh, Fright Fest 2018. Um, Yep. How many films did you guys watch? Did you watch as many films as you possibly could in the four and a bit days? I think I uh, walked out on a few, so you could say that I watched some of them. <laughs> so, but only parts of them. Um, and I did fall asleep a couple of times, but I- I'd say 23, 24 films or something. Ah. Quite a lot. What about you guys? Uh, I, watched, I watched 22, um, but then... I mean, that's that didn't cover every slot. There's one I had to miss uh, due to a sort of a, 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 a commitment, and then there was a couple where I, I saw shorts, or I or I went to the uh, Duke Mitchell Film Club party. Right. Fair enough. Simon. Um, well, I missed like the big, the first one and the last one every day, so probably saw about what 15, 16 films. Yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to add up. How many can you see in total? Twenty-five. Twenty-five. Twenty-five yeah. is the max you can do. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, in that case, I saw twenty-four and a quarter because <laughs> because the only one there was an anthology one that had uh, I think eight movies in, and I I left after two of them. <laughs> so hey. I watched it. But other than that, I I did do a full house. So that was um, after you waited an hour after seeing me and Tim leave, of course, isn't it? <laughs> oh God, yeah, you guys were long gone. I, I actually I, I thought I'd give it two of the episodes, and it got to the third one, and it looked like more of the same. So I was like, oh, I might I might actually take a breather for this one. So uh, yeah. But other than that, Full House. A festival like this, it is good to see lots of films, but in the same respect, some of the timings mean that if you want to grab something to eat, you've got to hot-foot it over to your nearest vendor, shove it down your throat, and then get back up there ready for the next one. So sometimes I, I don't mind walking out on the odd film because it gives me a bit of a, like you say, a breather. Yeah. Get a few beers in or something like that, you know. Yeah. I mean, before we get into the films, what did you guys think of the actual festival this year? Have you got any thoughts, any feedback on, you know, forgetting the individual films, but the actual festival itself compared to other Fright Fest? Extremely average. <laughs> yeah. Maybe even less than average for me. Um, I didn't think there were many standouts this year. Um, obviously, they got a, you know, it's only based on what I saw. And we'll get to that because there's mm. something I want to talk about as to their the way they, as usual, every year, their programming choices tend to befuddle me. Um, but anyway, what do you guys think? Well, I was going to say, uh, the one thing I kind of missed this year was the, the lack of Q&As on, at the main screen. Uh, I, I, I think there was only one which was for Upgrade, which they brought out a, co- a couch for the director to sit down and do the Q&A with Alan. But, um, so it was that thing where, so when the credits came up, everybody wanted to leave, 
and it made leaving really difficult you you had to sort of you know get into a queue to get out when before if you wanted to stay you could stay and if you wanted to leave you could leave um, I mean they put up the reason for not doing the Q&A's is because they felt that that was discouraging the filmmakers to see people leaving either at the end of the film or during the Q&A but they also state that's because people have to go to other screenings or have to grab food or, or that kind of stuff and as a filmmaker Q&A's is uh, I love doing Q&A's so the fact that mm-hmm. there wasn't one you know as a filmmaker I would be very disappointed I know with the Discovery screen it was slightly different they had a lot more Q&As after the films. Mm. And the thing is, doing an, an intro Q&A is, a, is, is awful from the fact that you really can't talk about the film because p- the people in the audience haven't seen the film. So you can't really get into detail. And it's a bit... Uh, talk about stuff that doesn't really mean that much. That's a good point, Simon, because if they actually invested the time at the end of the film rather than bullshit around with banal crap at the beginning, yeah. then and they tacked on that banal crap time on the end, they would have had time for a decent Q&A, wouldn't they? Yeah. Hmm. What about you, Clive? Um, yeah, I mean, I echo your thoughts about missing the Q&As in the main screen, but uh, uh, this is the first year where Arrow Video was the main sponsor, and I really appreciated the uh, difference in the goodie bag that you got as a weekend pass holder. <laughs> uh, that sounds very material, but you know, uh, it, in in recent in sort of year, you know, as someone who's been coming for many years, you know, I'd noticed you know the sort of quant- uh, sort of quality and quantity of stuff that was that was you got as part of that had sort of gradually diminished. Until you know you didn't you know till it, it was it was a nice bonus we didn't really expect much but obviously Arrow Arrow Video you know put out all these fantastic uh, Blu-rays and uh, and DVDs no I'm not getting paid by them by for saying this um, and and so this year it, it was like it was like you know our cup runneth over we get we got all this cool stuff we got one of their new books uh, and there, there seemed to be a lot more freebies as well uh, in the main screen being given away and even in the even in the sort of Prince Charles that you know they, they bits and pieces being given away so so yeah so that that was that was good I enjoyed that um, that there, there was an incident in the main screen which which I was really uncomfortable with and was run ran and sort of gave me a sort of a bit of a bad taste in my mouth but you know w- w- they didn't did they huh. Uh, no, they didn't. Uh, no, it, it, it was just it was one of these unfortunate things where uh, where, where there was a problem with, with someone in the main screen, and you know after making a sort of general announcement, uh, one you know one of the organisers publicly like called called out the person you know after sort of making a general point about make sure you take care of your personal hygiene. Because you're because you're sitting next to people, they then publicly shamed the person, you know, and it was really it was really awkward and uncomfortable, and you know, it, it, it was it, it just seemed like completely unnecessary to do it that way, and you know, uh, and because and so I, I went and 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 spoke to the organizer the next day. I said, look, I don't I'm not happy about this. You shouldn't have done it that way. That's that's the sort of anti the Fright Fest family feeling, you know, one of the reasons I love going, or I love watching loads of horror movies, but I love, you know, you meet up with mates, and even 
like you, you, the people you're sat next to, you always feel like you can chat to them and sort of say, oh, you know, how are you enjoying the festival? You know, there's there's always people that are coming for the first time, uh, really excited about it. I mean, I was sat next to two of them, um, and you know, and and it and it was, you know, they were really enjoying the festival. But then that thing happened, and they were both like, oh, that's really horrible. Um, you know, not in a not in a good horror movie way, but just in a sort of like that's uh, yeah. It see it, it was it was a bit off, mm. and you know I spoke I spoke to the organizer involved, you know, and, and he's, you know, it, it, he was kind of like you know, it came out in the moment. It, it wasn't it wasn't a planned thing. He's not necessarily the most diplomatic person all the time, but you know it's just one of those things. And it, so that was unfortunate. But apart from that, um, I thought uh, I I know you, you you didn't have a good opinion of the films, Mike, but I thought. Generally, I thought it was a pretty strong year. For me, there was no kind of like movie where this is changing the face of the genre. I've seen a future classic here, but there was, but there was like, you know, but I'd say there were twelve movies where I thought those are those are good movies. Those are good to very good, if you see what I mean. Um, and oh, yeah, 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 okay. I was going to say there wasn't one film that scared me this year. Uh, that's that's always I think for a mark of a good fright fest. If there's there's there one film that you know makes you your skin crawl, and there wasn't really anything this year. I think the Nun trailer was the only thing that had <laughs> a scare in it. <laughs> that had a good scare, didn't it? That had a good scare. No, yeah. I mean I I I I thought generally the um I I I didn't have a problem so much with the the, the films and stuff, and uh, obviously. Arrow Video being the main sponsor this year, it did change some things. Um, obviously, in terms of some of the scheduling on 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 the screen um, and stuff. But I agree with Clive. The goodie bag was was fantastic uh, for sure, uh, and the freebies and stuff. I really missed the Q and As because because that's you know one of those things I'm really into. I, I love my Q and As, so I really missed that this year big time. And um, I thought that uh, although the range of films was pretty good, I thought this year it lacked the community a little bit, seemed seemed not quite as, as friendly and happy as, as other times. And, and I think that incident you mentioned, Clive, is, 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 is something to do with it probably as well. But um, I felt the sense of community, uh, it felt this year it felt a bit more corporate and a bit less... Um, of, of a of a bunch of people just there having a great time um you know that they felt there, there seemed to be a lot of negativity around this year and uh i don't know whether that was just the particular individuals that i spoke to but um yeah that 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 was a little bit of a shame but uh but but that aside i i enjoyed it as i always do i mean keep i'd say in terms of the sort of corporate feeling i think if you'd spent if you'd spent more time like outside the Prince Charles cinema, then for me that that was where it felt most like Frightfest of, of old and most like not just because right. it used to be at the Prince Charles, but just because it, it was just like people outside just chatting, uh, and you're not in the foyer surrounded by product, and it's not you know you're not you're not being sort of funneled through a system. Uh, so it was it was kind of. You know, uh, for me, that 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 was what gave me that sort of more fright fest feeling, uh, like around the Prince Charles. But uh, 
Yeah, no, I, I understand what you mean. I mean, I've, I've obviously the last couple of years I've been to, to the Glasgow one as a view, Clive, and I know we didn't do a review on that this year, but, um, uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm imagining uh, that's probably what Fright Fest used to be like way back, um, you know, because you did have time then for the Q&As and stuff because the most of the filmmakers were there you know, uh, to talk about the films afterwards and stuff. So yeah, it's a slightly different feeling, I guess, but, um, but yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, and there were a couple of films from Glasgow Fright Fest playing at, uh, at the, at the main there Fright were, Fest. Which, which, yeah. Yeah. I, I tended to stick mainly with the main screen this year with, with a couple of exceptions, but, um, which were a couple of good choices I feel, uh, <laughs> on those exceptions. But, uh, but anyway, Maybe, maybe maybe that's our cue to get into it. Yes, <laughs> I think that's our cue to get into it. So, the first film uh, to open the festival was The Ranger. Hmm. So, what did everybody think of The Ranger? Not the strongest of openings, was it? <laughs> <laughs> it's no uh, Cherry tr- Tree Hill, whatever that f- one with the centipedes was. That was a that was an awful opener. Cherry, but, uh, cherry yeah, cherry it wasn't. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was a like few that. years ago, wasn't it? One's a home invasion one, and the other one is something else. Yeah, yeah, the home invasion one is the cherry tree lane. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I know the way. I, I know the one you mean with the centerpiece at uh, uh, centerpiece, and yeah, I think they're just similarly yeah. named, don't they? I can't remember what the title of that. One <laughs> yeah. Is. To be fair, I think I enjoyed that more than I enjoyed the ranger. If I give you my 10 pence. Well, oh, right. yeah. It, I mean, the Ranger, for me, it was just okay. It wasn't awful, um, but it wasn't the, uh, the I, I didn't think it was the best of, of, of starts to the festival. I'm pleased to say it got better from here. Um, well, but, let's, uh, I think, I think audience members might not understand, might not know what we're talking about. Yeah, so uh, sure, I'll sure. give a quick synopsis. I was going to say, should we show uh, this about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's about a, uh, a band of punks who are on the run and they decide to go to uh, this uh, wood lodge, you know, uh, on a reservation park and they happen to run into the park ranger, who's a bit of a psychopath. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, this was supposed to be set in the 80s, but mm. um, one of the things I don't think it achieved particularly well was was the um, the sense of era. I mean, obviously, it was a way of getting around the fact that they were all being stalked and they didn't have cell phones and, you know, all of that sort of thing. But I, I don't really feel that they, um, they, they, they captured that. I mean just the you know because they were they were supposed to be members of like a a punk band or something and two of them were were openly gay but mm. ag- the again that seemed very much of today attitude wise with how they portrayed it more than the 1980s if if you know what i mean yeah um, not not to say there wasn't gays in the oh, 80s God, no, but all, it's but just, just how they were openly gay how they openly yes. expressed their feelings for each other as if nobody was going to kick their heads in yeah yeah i mean it is was is that what is that what you did in the 80s simon <laughs> i i was a child in the 80s so no <laughs> Oh, uh, have this no, no, no. i mean you, yeah. you know what 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 i mean is i just uh, I just felt that it's both production design wise and 
you, you know, with with that with that sort of thing. I put for me, I didn't really get the 1980s feeling from this film at all, and I don't know whether that's just me picking on it or whether whether you what you guys thought but i thought that was one of the areas where it didn't quite work is it i didn't believe we were in the 80s i mean Did I, you? I, I, I thought it i thought it was okay i, I thought it worked okay as a slasher because that's what it is uh, for the 80s thing i think they were just I, I think it was obviously going for a kind of generic 80s where it's it sort of you just get the feel of it it's just evokes through the, the use of the punk music that they that they cho- that they're choosing and the costuming, and it and it is true that once you get once you go into a cabin in the woods, a cabin in the woods looks like a cabin in the woods. Uh, it, it's they, they you know that's not much is going to change between like your early seventies cabin in the woods and cabin in the woods now. So it, it was it was just you know but but there were there are there were sort of various references and so on if you're looking for them. Um, but yeah, that, I, I say it didn't bother me. I I, I thought that the uh, that uh, Jeremy Holm, uh, uh, who was playing the sort of the the psychopathic ranger, was very good. He was, yes. I sort of wish there'd be more. There'd been more of him in it. Um, cause, yeah. Because uh, I, I wasn't overly taken with our with our heroine uh, uh, Chelsea uh, uh, Chloe Levine. Uh, who I did like in the Transfiguration, um, which is like a previous uh, Glasgow Fright Press movie, um, but yeah, it, it's I thought it was okay, I, I, and you know it's always nice to see Larry Fessenden pop up uh, as he so often does in in US and indie movies. So yeah, yeah, I agree with you that the, the Ranger himself was actually really good. Um, my problem was with the with with, with the group of kids. Um, I really didn't like any of those characters at all. I didn't really care for any of them, which was part of the problem. I think it's, it's kind of, they didn't really make them endearing from, from the start. And uh, I know sometimes they're not supposed to be. So you kind of, you you know, you get more of a payoff when they get uh, brutally murdered or whatever. But, um, but, 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 you know, I always cared about Laurie Strode in Halloween, for example. Um, I can't say I really cared about any of these kids, you know? (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, there's just, you call the film The Ranger and he's hardly in it. And it was a shame because there was some, there was some real fun stuff. I mean, uh, a little bit of a spoiler, but one of the kids gets uh, caught in a man trap and he says, if you can get yourself out, I'll let you go. And when, when he does, he goes, good on you, <laughs> lets him go. I was like, okay. Usually they go, no, mate, gonna kill you. But uh, no, it was that was that was a nice little touch. But unfortunately, you know, it's just a little bit of good in a lot of bad. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just it was a shame that they concentrated too much on the the punks because they were annoying, and it was a case of just you know you were just waiting for them to be killed. It's like. Can we hurry this up, please? Because they're really annoying. Mm. I, I thought that the is a first-time director. Uh, it's a very low budget, um, and you could see, you know, if you watch them close enough, you can see where they've done some shortcuts and things like that, which is fine. 
I thought the Ranger was good. The guy who played him was really, uh, you know, he sold it, and he had some funny lines, really good lines. But I thought the main actress actually, I thought she was all right. All the others were annoying fucks that I couldn't wait to see them disappear. Mm. Um, and they had a good concept, but it just uh, word on the uh, yeah on a slash, you need to have good effects. And I thought the effects were rub pretty pony really. They didn't really have good. They didn't have like signature deaths or signature kills or anything vaguely, you know, you know, worthy of a, a fright fest audience to sort of yell and cheer about, you know. So it's pretty weak. I, I mean, I rated it four out of ten on my scale. So I'll give you scores that I did okay. at the time. So okay, nice, nice. <laughs> so opening film, yeah, meh, yeah. really for me. It was like it was pretty it's not really worth me going into the details of trying to rip off Night of the Live was it Return of the Living Dead or anything like that mm. with the punk thing yeah. and all that sort of stuff it was um, you know it, it was a good first effort for someone if it's their first film and they probably didn't have a lot of money but uh, to uh, how the hell they got that to be the opening film of Fright Fest I do not know well again I think that was slightly political because uh it's certainly in the program and on the website they were selling it as like the first uh, female directed uh, horror film that was opening the festival Ooh, so not again we've had that for the last two years can we get over that next it'll be the ne- it'll be the tr- gender transparent first director or something <laughs> anyway <laughs> fucking hell well, okay yeah well I mean should we move on to the next one <laughs> okay yeah uh, the next one is the summer of '84, and this comes from the directors of um, Oh uh, Turbo Kid. Thank you, Turbo fucking Kid hell! How could I forget that one? Yeah. So yeah. Um, this one is well, I I say it's like a sort of updated telling of the Burbs, where uh, a, a young kid suspects. Um, one of his neighbours to be a serial killer and the question is is he or isn't he that's pretty much it yeah I was going to say any, any more and it'll be spoilery so that's that's fine yeah <laughs> uh, I personally thought this was really well done I thought it was really good uh, I had few problems with the ending but uh, we can't really go into that because that will spoil the film completely uh, but um, yeah it was it was really well done I mean what they did very well in this was that the kids were believable and you actually liked them. Absolutely. And also, watch, I watched the Monster Squad again this weekend. The The characters are very similar to the kids in Monster Squad, funnily enough. You've got a leather-clad kid, you've got a fat kid, you've got a, a kid who's the leader, and then you've got a, a smart mouth one. He's not fat, he's just big-boned. It's like, oh, okay, maybe it's a little bit of a homage to Monster Squad as well. Surely some you can point to like another uh, another half dozen movies, you know, like Goonies, S- Stand By Me, you know. But the, the the fact that you've got a kid who's got a, a leather jacket for one, right. and it's a and it's a you know, okay, fat kid does seem to be a, yeah. a standard in eighties coming of age films, doesn't it? Because <laughs> those titles you've just added, yeah. Yeah, the, the difference with this one, and, and this to me was the highlight of the opening night um, mm-hmm. by a long shot. This, this, the difference with this one was everything that was wrong with the previous film 
they got absolutely perfect in this one. So you absolutely cared for this group of kids um, big time. I mean, the characters were fantastic. You absolutely believed that this was the summer of 84. Um, you know, everything from the, you know, the, the the station wagon with the wooden panels down the side, you know, to the, the BMXs that they were riding, uh, you, you know, to the posters and on the wall, the set design, everything um, absolutely reeked of, of the 80s and was spot on. And 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 just the way the kids were interacting. And I mean, you know, I loved it where it was so well scripted, where they were like arguing about, um, you know, the the Ewoks uh, oh, yeah. overthrowing the Empire in, in, in Return of the Jedi, like we still argue about nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, at the time, but they made it so natural, it didn't feel forced. Yeah. And um, I, I thought that they absolutely embodied the era, the tone, um, and all of that perfectly. So, so, so this for me delivered what the other, what the previous film didn't, uh, in so much as really invested in those characters and really believing that this was taking place in the summer of '84. You know, perfectly. So, uh, and, and you're right, it homages a lot of films. Um, you, you know, that from, from that era. And I guess you know, if you, we look more modern, you know, the, in the kind of way that things like. Uh, pro, TV shows like Stranger Things and whatever are kind of doing nowadays as well, but um, really capturing that vibe. Yeah. But I, I thought this was great. And you're right. We can't say too much about it without it being spoilery. But it, it, it was a, it was a lot of fun all the way through. Um, and it really uh, it really it gave me the boost because I was feeling a little bit like, ah, oh, near after the first film. And then what this one I totally bought into and invested in and, and was feeling really good about Fright Fest, you know, after watching this. So what about you guys? What about you, Clive? Uh, I, I love this one. Um, I mean, it, it is, uh, it must be said, if you are listening to this and you're a fan of Turbo Kid, this is not like Turbo Kid. It's not, it's not uh, similar in terms of tone or, or humour or gore. It's in fact, you know, there's there's almost nothing in in the way of sort of explicit horror for most of the runtime. It really concentrates on the relationships between the characters and that sort of build up of sort of dread of of like and the is he isn't he thing. The tension is great, isn't it? The tension mm. in this film is really well done. The the ensemble is absolutely brilliant. Um, if I had I, I my only slight criticism is that I felt. It's 105 minutes, and that's and that's a bit too long. And I think I agree with you, Simon. I I had a slight, you know, I didn't think the ending completely worked for me. And I think part of that was just that it got stretched out a bit, where where it sort mm. of didn't need to be stretched out. Uh, you know, it, it's like there's a bit where it's where it could almost finish and then it continues. Um, and I, and, yep. I, and I know why yep. they did that, and. But, you know, it, it was all heading to a point and then it continued. So, yeah, I won't say any more because um, because this is not a spoilery uh, sort of uh, review show. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I, I would absolutely recommend it, especially if, if you love that sort of, you know, early to mid 80s um, uh, horror movie sort of vibe because it really evokes that. Well, also, it, it, it plays very much like a Hitchcock film. 
I think. I think it's very Hitchcock. That's why I like well, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah rear, rear window, yeah. Well, Disturbia was like rear window, and that reminded me of elements of Disturbia uh, and crossed with a bit mm. of the Stand By Me and, and Stranger Things vibe as well. Um, I thought the guy who was the the people they were suspecting of is he or isn't he, that was really good. And I think there was, an there was a, I thought, a really good payoff when they were in, when the guys were in the house and he sees something i thought that was really clever and i thought the ending was interesting because it actually did something i wasn't expecting it to do um right at the end um it's like you know some films they end and especially hitchcock films it ends bang the credits roll and, it, and that's it boom it, you, you're not even left with any time to think or ponder on the situation this one took it a little bit further and I, I quite like I really like that I mean this is a 9 out of 10 for me at the festival it was beautifully made beautifully shot um, clearly had a you know half decent budget and all the actors they that they uh, they cast were superb um, so they were fabulous yeah so it's a definite one of the I think I think I've got maybe two or three 9 out of 10s and that's one of the top films the festival that I really, really, like you yeah. say, I really uh, got got really stuck into that. Um, so, and I'd like to watch it again with you know friends or whatever, and say check this out because I thought it was great. It, and yeah, and you're right. It did subvert the expectation slightly towards the end, even though that's clearly divided people. Yeah. And um, I, I, a lot of people I spoke to afterwards, um, you, you, you know, ha- had issues with that. I liked it because of that. But yeah in my opinion but you know I, I, I really I really I like yeah, yeah, the yeah. Uh, the ending but obviously you've got to go and watch it and then you can make your own minds up yeah yeah well I, I, my problem with it was I thought the film successfully did what the ending sort of reinforced as I, it's I'm weird for me to say without going into much detail but I think it was successful and it didn't need it yeah that's, that's just that's me. you Simon <laughs> I don't that's agree me. I really liked it <laughs> that's what makes this that's what makes this fun yeah absolutely but uh, it's definitely worth put this way anyone listening it's definitely worth your time summer of 84 great film yeah yeah right well at this point i left (laughs) i went for a drink at the phoenix and then i went home so (laughs) um somebody else can do the synopsis for mega time squad okay then mega time squad uh so this is a, a new zealand comedy from director tim van damen uh, and basically, yeah, uh, it, it's it's sort of it's kind of like the misadventures uh, of a sort of small time crook who uh, still <laughs> who steals this ancient uh, Chinese uh, knickknack, which turns out to have allow him to travel through time. Uh, it, well, actually, it means he can sort of jump back uh, like a few minutes in time. Uh, so he uses this to sort of create, lo- uh, you know loads of t- uh, time loops and uh, and sort of basically try and fix his mistakes because he's he's uh, he's not that bright uh, which is where a lot of the of the humor comes from and he and he keeps banging up against the local kingpin so yeah uh, and it, and it's it, it's all very knockabout um and yeah there we go mega time squad what did you guys think mega boring um Five out of ten, I fell asleep. I mean, it was late, but um, I uh, just didn't do it for me. Um, 
it didn't have the inventiveness for me of something like Time Crimes um, or and I didn't really find it that funny really um, did just didn't click with me so I haven't really got much more to say on it really because I fell asleep and then I got bored and then I think I left so bloody hell go on someone else okay um, no I mean I, I thought this was I thought this was actually okay um, it was you, you know it was a bit cheesy and a bit silly um, and it played on that you know I mean it, the, 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 it used its sort of low budget and um, and whatever you know is, is one of its strengths but at the same time um it was quite inventive and clever the way they did the uh the different timelines and the different versions of the character sort of interacting with himself through it um and, and you know it did have, it did have some good comedy moments as well so um i'm kind of you know for me this would be if we were marking out of 10 i'd i'd, I'd probably give this a a five out of ten strong five out of ten or whatever yeah that's what i gave it it wasn't amazing but it wasn't it, it certainly wasn't the worst thing um that was <laughs> screened at uh at uh fright yeah. fest this year and 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 uh to be honest i think for my money i probably enjoyed it slightly more than the ranger on the opening night because as i said i found it quite amusing and um quite inventive with with what they did with the uh with, with the multiple timeline or the, the time loops with the character. Um, so it was quite fun, but y- you know, it, it wasn't pretending to be anything other than a sort of low budget, slightly cheesy um, New Zealand film. Clive, do you watch it? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, uh, it, I did watch it. It was, yeah, I, I found it, I found it amusing. Um, it, it seems almost an odd choice for a late night movie at Fright Fest. Often the ones that get chosen for late night are either very uh, are like broader with the comedy or there's more gore or they're more outrageous. You know, it. I was expecting it to be sort of bigger, but actually it was quite sort of small and, uh, you know, very like local. <laughs> it's like a local film. Um, so... Yeah, I, I sort of enjoy. I, I sort of I, I found that the lead and, and his uh, and his his would be girlfriends, you know, kind of charming. Uh, I like the guy playing the bad guy, um, and yeah, it, it passed the time. I, I mean, if you're the sort of person who gets wound up by time travel mechanics not working, not adding up properly, and, and like things to be super astringent and sort of to all tie up like some like as in something like time crimes then this might wind you up because it's, this very much hand waves that all that stuff away into in in favor of well this is this is funny we're going to do this um and it is quite inventive with with the things it does I don't, i'm not sure they all make sense but you know it's it's going to fine no um it's no back to the future too is it <laughs> to be fair no <laughs> but uh but it tries. Yeah, no, but you know, <laughs> I, I I didn't hate it. I mean, it's it's a brisk eighty-one minutes. So yeah, it, it's if it sounds like it's it's your kind of thing. I mean, it's you know, the dress is not Taika Waititi. It's not super witty, but it is you know, as a kind of profane sort of cheerfulness. So yeah, uh, I I I'd say a, a, a you know, cautious recommend if you if you're in the mood for something uh, like that. And then we move on to the on to Friday. 
On to the second day, yes. So, um, God, we've only just got to the second day. Let's yeah. Go, have you got your feet up, guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, the first film of the day, again, I missed, Ooh. which was The Cleaning Lady. <laughs> so, uh, somebody else can uh, do the synopsis. Yeah, all right. Well, this this is um, this was basically about a uh, a woman who. Uh, is having an affair with a married man um and she's a beautician uh i think her name was alice and she befriends uh this really reclusive cleaning lady that uh, cleans in the apartment that she's in and this this cleaning lady is um facially scarred uh you know from burns and stuff from some sort of uh, traumatic childhood uh incident that happened and basically they kind of start to make friends it all gets a bit weird <laughs> as as it goes on but uh uh i'm just trying to think how much i could say here without going into spoiler territory but you could say there's like shades of single white female you know a, a obsession and and so on without without yes spoiling it so i'll be honest i thought this was reasonable i didn't think this was a bad film i was i was fairly entertained by this um i think it was done on a on a reasonably low budget um but uh i i don't really know any of the people involved in it they did have uh the main actress was there to introduce it um at the beginning um and apparently uh, what, what i found interesting what one, one bit of knowledge i did get from the intro on this one of the few intros that actually told you something about the film was apparently in order to get the funding for this they actually made a short film of this first and in the short film, the lead actress who plays the um, the, the the main character, the, the beautician who's having the affair with the married man, um, in the short film actually played the disfigured cleaner lady. Um, and uh, but when but when they actually got the money to do the uh, the, the, the the feature, the the roles were switched for for some reason. But. Uh, um, yeah, it was it was it was not bad. It was not amazing, but uh, it was a reasonable start to the Friday. I thought I was I was entertained by it. I wasn't bored with it, uh, and it did get in terms of a horror film. I mean, it did get quite nasty because a lot of it is set during the daytime in Los Angeles. You know, all very bright, uh, very clean apartments and stuff. And um, it isn't until later in the film that it's. Uh, that it gets, uh, you, you know, set at night and gets quite dark and quite nasty and quite brutal, uh, which is exactly what you want from a Fright Fest film. Um, if I had to criticise one production thing with it is, um, I and again, I don't know whether this is was a big problem for you guys, but uh, the, the woman that they cast as the ex-wife of the man that the main character is having an affair with looked very much like the main character, which kind of, you know, I suppose works, you know, on one level. But there was a scene where um, they were all sort of going after each other at night and they were all driving similar vehicles, similar SUV type vehicles as well. And I just thought to myself, it was a little it was a little confusing as to who was who sometimes I thought they could have maybe uh, used a, a different vehicle or um, cast somebody who looked a bit more different to, to make that a bit less, 
less confusing but uh, maybe it was only me that had a problem with that i'm not saying it was it ruined the film or anything um anyway that's 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 my 10 pence worth anybody else uh i thought it was okay six out of ten for me it was um i like the the girl who played the main character the cleaning lady who was uh, basically a burn victim um i thought she uh, played a very good character. I like the idea of these people who seem harmless to start with, and then they, you know, as the obsession and the and the connection with someone, as you, you know, as these good Samaritans do. Keith, you'd know about this. You know, if you're a good Samaritan, sometimes you get things thrown back in your face. Um, and uh, this is this film epitomizes that sometimes you're better off not helping someone because uh, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble um it was okay it was it had some pretty you know good visceral action in it and the the girl who played the disfigured woman was 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 pretty you know she sold it for me uh, but uh, yeah an average sort of creepy psychological with a little bit of violence thriller um and it looked okay you know it looked all right so it's just just distinctly average but um that's that's what i thought it's not too bad it was okay i think six out six out of ten is fair that's probably what i'd say as well yeah clive well it sounds like it sounds like i like this more than than you guys um I, i i i thought it was i thought it was really good i mean um i i thought it was properly nasty and I really enjoyed the sort of psychological element. It's 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 sort of. I, I thought it was paced really well in terms of sort of spending time on the characters until you got to know all the players. I didn't have the problem you did, Keith, with with, uh, you know, in ter- in terms of sort of get mistaking characters for other characters, um, personally. Um, and yeah, I, I thought the ending really lands for me and. Um, the performances are really good, and yeah, uh, you know, it's it, it's sort of. I mean, it's not quite in that league, but it sort of reminded me of something like Audition, where we you start off and it's all about sort of relationships and 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 the and the horror elements only really come into it later, and then it takes a turn, and, and when it turns, it turns really dark and nasty. Yeah, it's not quite yeah. as nasty as Audition, no. though, is it? <laughs> But I know where you're going. No, but uh, but you know psychologically uh, it, 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 there are it, it it does it does go nasty. So yeah, I mean I I, I would put this one in, in my in my top ten. I wouldn't disagree with that. I haven't I haven't actually listed a top ten. Maybe I should have done. But uh, it, it, it's definitely uh, one of the stronger um, films. Yeah, it's good. Well, going from a strong film, let's go to a weak film. Uh, the, uh. the next one is Braid. Uh, well, m- my synopsis for this one is that uh, uh, three girls play a weird game inside a mansion and we don't know if it's real, fantasy, a death dream. Uh, you, the, the filmmakers didn't seem to know either. It, they just left mm. it up to the audience to make up their minds. It, and I think my feelings for for it was that it was very stylish there's some really good technical stuff in there i didn't mind the characters but the story made no fucking sense and there was no payoff Mm -hmm. 
and it was it was just left to the audience to decide what the fuck had just happened. <laughs> I didn't particularly like this film. Um, it was the style thing was all over the place. So um, you, you, you know, it, it was it was style for style's sake rather than having something that's motivating the story or the characters or the psychology of the film. Um, I just sort of felt it was a little bit of a, of a, of a melange of everything. It was a bit of a, a, a mess. Um, and, uh, yeah, I didn't, I did, I didn't particularly enjoy this one. If I'm, if I'm honest, I, it's only 82 minutes, but it, it felt like a long 82 minutes. Yeah, it did. And, and it, and it didn't really, I mean, it, it left you thinking about it at the end, which I, I guess a film's, you know, you have to take your hat off to that um, because it, it did. It, I, I know a lot of people were quite confused by the ending. Um, and uh, but, yeah, it was just OK. And I, I really did think in this film, you know, I'm all for stylistic choices and changing that during a film and whatever. But this was shifting everything from aspect ratio to color to black and white to overblown you know or it was it was almost like the director was like i'm going to try out every single style i can but with no real reason behind any of it other than just to be showy and as a result it didn't work there's no payoff yeah you know if there was there was something at the end that it'd been fine yeah i'm going to slightly disagree with with you there okay. keith um in in the uh, from, uh, you know was for it didn't completely work for me uh, I, I felt I always felt that the that the visuals weren't just sort of scatter shot I felt I felt that they were very different that they were very deliberate and were sort of conjuring up a sort of fairy tale mood that it was really going for this kind of uh, sort of fairy tale dreamland almost like world of the of, of like twisted adult version of a sort of like a child like a childhood game where it's all in your imagination and so for the first kind of quarter of an hour 20 minutes i was really into it i was thinking oh this is really uh, this is a really like interesting experiment it's really bold for a, for a kind of uh, debut feature from uh, sort of the uh, from director uh, uh, mitzi uh, pyroni uh, i think i'm saying that right hopefully um and yeah so I, w- I was kind of into it and then it gets to a certain point and then it's sort of then this sort of drama of it kind of flatlines and it's it, and it's difficult because it's i don't think it's that bothered about the sort of narrative of it you know that's almost not what the film's going for it's going for much more of a sort of tone and uh like tone poem almost feel which is frustrating because because uh, you know I, I was into it and then it then I just kind of got a bit bored in the middle where it just didn't really go anywhere and then they, then without spoiling it there comes to a point where there's a character from the outside and it seems to come to a climax and you're thinking okay we're coming to the end here and then the movie continues and it continues some more and. You know, I, I lost patience with it by the end. I really did, and it's a shame because I really wanted. It, 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 I, I I had such goodwill towards it at the beginning, but it didn't. In the end, it didn't work. 
but I, I felt I could see what the director was going for in moments. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm kind of interested to see what, what she does going forward. So, mm. but, but yeah, not one of my favorite films. Well, I actually scored this six out of 10 as well. Um, because despite it being, uh, all those things that you guys have described, um, I saw it sort of held my attention and I thought the the actors involved did a good job and it was a sort of flowers in the attic fucked up childhood morphing into adulthood and it did sort of keep me uh, off balance but as you say because there sort of was no real payoff at the end it it sort of let the the viewer down really at the end of it it'd be nice to have had some sort of conclusion that actually made sense um so it was really just it's a very arty looking piece it looked good um and i agree with simon some of the some of the uh trickery in the color moving around with the colors and the look of the film and stuff was a little bit sort of too obvious really it was okay it was like I don't know. It was just a very strange experiment in film, almost having a story. Um, uh, so it was a six out of ten. It was okay. I came out after the cleaning lady being a six out of ten, thinking, "Oh Christ, we need to have some horror at a fucking fright fest," you know, um, which should lead us nicely onto the next one. Yes, so the uh, following film was uh, Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. This is a, a reboot of the Puppet Master series, though uh, it's, not a, it's, it's not taken over from the original series. Uh, from what the uh, filmmakers told us at the beginning, uh, the original Puppet Master films... Uh, are still carrying on that line still carrying on but this is now like a, a new beginning um, I, I believe this is uh, the first first film from like uh, one of the uh, horror websites this is this the dread central film or is this the yeah I think it could be or was it or was it fangoria or, or fangoria could be it fangoria. Might be fangoria. fangoria it was fangoria yes, it was fangoria uh, so synopsis wise um, this German um, uh, puppet maker, uh, toy maker, uh, was uh, working for the Nazis, producing these little uh, puppets that would go in and like kill people, well, kill Jews, from what we saw. At the... <laughs> well, that, that that was that was the yeah. main thing in the story yeah. was that um, right. it, they, these puppets went after a lot of Jewish people. They were Nazi puppets. Puppets, yeah, they were Nazi puppets. I mean, as well as other you know, uh, people that would have been deemed to be abnormal by, by the Reich. Yeah. And so what happens is that um, after his death, uh, all these puppets have been spread across the USA and a convention is set up to, to bring them all back. And uh, when they, they come, so when the owners of all these puppets bring them back to the hotel, uh, suddenly they start, they come back to life and they start going on this massive killing spree. Which um, I have to say, I walking into this, I thought it was going to be like the really dumb film of the festival. I thought it was going to be just silly fun, and uh, it was quite s not serious, but it was a lot more. It was well done. It wasn't schlocky so much. They, you could tell they actually put money into this, and 
they had created a, a lot more of the uh, newer mm. puppets for this and um yeah. yeah i mean it's i i have one thing i've noticed about um films that have been made by these horror uh, magazines or uh, websites is that they very much concentrate on the gore um at halloween fright fest last year that we had the terrifier and that was that was very that was yeah. more about gore than it was about sort of having a good story <laughs> i think i think puppet master littlest right was a lot better than terrifier but it was it wasn't and it had some there were some good kills in it there were some very questionable kills in it i think the one with the baby was like really okay that might be just a little too much you just thought are they gonna go there and i did didn't. yeah yeah uh, but the, the the there was one kill that i thought was really really good really funny and um and that certainly did get a cheer that's it, it was, was that it, the head that was the head one yes <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was really funny um and and it, it played like a fright fest film it you know the the audience were cheering at the kills and stuff and uh we we were kind of lacking of that this year and um yeah this, this is the film that kind of provided that so for me it was all right good dumb fun wasn't it yeah yeah barbara crampton was in it as well because she turned up to the festival <laughs> and uh, Keith did Keith did note that Barb's looked radiant yeah. <laughs> when he saw her outside yeah um, I have to say it was one of the worst intros to any of the films I've, it just it, it dragged on and you didn't learn much about the film and, and she took a photograph of us all which took ages to do yeah yeah uh, I, I thought it was good it was 7 out of 10 good schlocky fun just uh, I mean for me it sort of had that Charles Band low budget horror thing going on as well obviously because it's using one of his big properties I thought the puppets were quite inventive and quite humorous uh, it had lots of really over the OTT uh, splatter effects in it and I didn't really give a shit about the story. It was just, yeah, thank God we've got something that's a little bit more stupid and, and you know, not too pretentious and is just doing out what it's, you know, like, like a tin of baked beans. It did what it said on the title, you know. Um, so it was good, solid, slashery, gore-ridden, you know, puppet fun, really. Um, yeah, this is a bit of a mixed bag, I think. Uh, f for me anyway I mean I was kind of I was curious about this one because it's written by S. Craig Zeller who's the guy who wrote and directed Bone Tomahawk and uh, Brawling Cell Block uh, 11 is it anyway 99 99 yeah that's the one both of those great films by the way yeah. Which are which are great great mm. films with like which have like 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 horrific ultra violence in them um, so so I thought yeah. oh this could be like this is kind of interesting it, uh, and you know but Sandy wasn't directing it and it was a shame because I thought it was because the original Puppet Master although I'm by no means an expert because I haven't watched all 13 movies I, I think it is and counting are there that many bloody hell <laughs> yeah I think so. I think so yeah um, uh, but I did I did watch the original before going to see fright fest and it in it and in that the uh, uh the puppet master is actually a refugee fleeing from the nazis and the whole thing is that he makes the he makes these puppets and and, and and animates them using magic but while they're with him 
because he treats them with love, then uh, they they don't harm anyone. But it, it's only after it's only after he passes away that they start sort of like taking vicious revenge on people, uh, and it all goes it all goes wrong. Whereas in this one, you know, the puppet master is a Nazi, and all his killings are sort of you know, uh, a, 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 you know, come from this sort of this this ideology, this poisonous sort of hatred, racism, anti-Semitism. And, you know, and it's very pointed. And so there's a very clear kind of like agenda to the film in terms of kind of like this is something that's, that's happening in our culture now. And, and it's trying to make a point, you know, much like, you know, sort of Romero movies in the past would make political points about what was going on. So I thought that was really interesting. I just thought that the direction was was pretty lackluster. Um, there, uh, there were some, there were a couple of good kills, but I felt like a lot of the kills, I, I was like, why are you putting the camera there? Cause it, cause it, it, you're just sort of, you're fluffing it. You know, it wasn't that the idea for the kill was bad. It was just, it seemed to be poorly executed. So yeah, but I, I, I like the central sort of gang. I, I really like the, the, uh, the, uh, Jewish comics, uh, books store owner who, who was very amusing. Um, um, but yeah, it it was okay. Uh, but it was it, it was sort of I I felt like it could have been better. So yeah, a little bit frustrating for me. I uh, I just thought it was a bit of uh, you know afternoon nonsense fun. Um, I, I wasn't really familiar with the. I mean, I'm I'm aware of the Puppet Master series, but I can't really say I'd seen any of them before. So. Um, you know, this this was just a bit of fun. Um, yes, I know there was, as Clive mentioned there, there was some, uh, you know, serious statements being said within the nonsense. Um, but on the other hand, it was, you know, just a bit of good old sort of gremlin type fun as well. Um, and, you know, they, they, they did it quite well. Um, I agree it could have been slightly better directed, uh, I think, had the, the writer actually directed this. Uh, having seen his other work, it would have been um, a bit more hard hitting. Um, but having said that, they really did go there with the with the gore and with the deaths and uh, well, even with the nudity. So it felt like it had that feel of, um, you, you know, one of the good old 80s, um, uh, you know, gore fest type things. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, it was silly. It was funny. It, it you know, it wasn't. It wasn't particularly offensive, but it was, but it was really nasty with the gore effects and stuff. And uh, yes, the, the 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 one in particular that stands out is the uh, is the head, <laughs> the head in the toilet one, which worked uh, amazingly and made me crease up. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it 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 was good fun. I di- I didn't mind this one. Um, you know, it's not normally my sort of thing. But I thought it was quite a fun film to have with a Fright Fest audience, you know, as, as a sort of afternoon um, afternoon movie. So, yeah, it's all right. Uh, speaking of afternoon movies, the next one is The Most Assassinated Woman in the World, which was produced by Netflix. And I think most people commented on the fact that they probably wished they had watched it on netflix just because it was a little hard to read those subtitles on the big screen uh well i, I actually didn't bother watching this because okay. it looked 
nothing that I was interested in. So. Well, it's it's a shame actually because it was it was very good. It was very well done. I can watch it on Netflix though. Yeah, you can watch it on Netflix. Why. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought, well, I'll just watch it on Netflix. I, I don't know how well it's going to do. Um, it's a very well made film. Uh, it is very much a, like a, an afternoon, a Sunday afternoon thriller film. But okay, uh, brief synopsis. Um, Paula Maxa was a actress, a real life actress in France who uh, went on stage every night and was uh, murdered in various different ways. Hence the title, The Most Assassinated Woman in the World. Um, this story is about, I guess, her coming to the end of her, her, her run with the theatre. Uh, there's a lot of uh, outrage against this um, against this theatre and what they're producing and what they're showing every night and uh, also there is a serial killer who uh, has it in for her he would actually like to see her die for real uh, and so you know that's that is the story but what's really nice about it is that you get to see the behind the scenes of the theatre and how it's run and how they sort of convince the audience that these killings are actually happening for real the whole sort of theatricality about it and it's it's it was very well done I mean it's a 102 minute film and it's you know it, it played it, it didn't seem that long to tell the truth so um, yeah, well worth checking out when it comes on Netflix. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Mm. I'd agree. I think much I will do. You were saying there, Simon. I mean, it's 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 very well made. Um, it, it this story takes place in the 1930s, um, so it is a uh, it is you know and it is based around factual stuff. So it is interesting to see uh, how you know people used to get their entertainment. Um, theatrically with horror and it just goes to show you again that if horror is done well on stage then it then it really does work um and and this as simon stated there shows you very well sort of behind the scenes how they uh, accomplish that and then it's got this kind of uh, you, you know as, as the sort of serial killer story you've got this kind of um almost sort of jack the ripper-esque feel to it even though it's in paris um and, uh, you, you know, again, in terms of production design, the way this is shot, the way it's lit, the way it's edited and whatever, really, really, really good. And, um, yeah, I, I kind of uh, I kind of didn't mind that, you know, it was subtitled. And um, I yeah, I, I, I kind of the same as you, Simon. I, I was almost going to give it a miss because both Mike and Tim said before the film even started ah oh, forget this we're going and they were going come on come come down the pub and uh for a second i was tempted and i thought you know what i'm gonna give the film 10 minutes and if it doesn't capture me in the first 10 minutes i'll catch it on netflix you know on that big list of netflix stuff that i keep meaning to watch so but it did capture me and i thought you know what i'm gonna stick with this and um i like simon was 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 pleasantly surprised and entertained by this and i would you know i would probably give it a um you know a strong seven out of ten if i had to rate it it's 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 that good so yeah good good, good on them good on them well, that sounds good I, i'm gonna join the chorus of approval um yeah not a horror movie we can't stress this enough if you're a horror fan it's not a horror movie uh, despite you know if you if you love 
sort of horror and this history of horror, then you might be very well aware of the Grand Guignol uh, Theatre in Paris and, and the whole kind of tradition of that that became very popular in the 30s. So I found all that fascinating. Um, it, it's weird. It's a, it's a historical drama with this kind of, with a serial killer subplot. Um but that's sort of very much in the background. But then again, and you do have all these horror elements in terms of they're putting on horror plays every night or horror, you know, sort of like vignettes. And it's, but it, but it's not really, it's not really about that. It, it's about, it's about this sort of turbulent time and it's, it's kind of about the effects of violence. It, you know, if you, if you kind of enact uh, being if you're murdered every night for like a thousand nights does that have an effect on you does it affect your psyche and and we see in this it kind of does affect her so it, a combination of that and these messages she's getting from this serial killer and it does seem like you know maybe you know maybe it's a good time for her to sort of call it a day but you know will she get a chance to do that so yeah uh, for me th- th- i found i found it you know it very well staged and um yeah uh, uh, you know I, it was interesting I, I liked it yeah and i mean even though it's more of a historical thriller um it does you know it does have horror elements in there it's just not not blatantly a horror movie but um you know you know it deals with some pretty horrific things <laughs> so yeah yeah it's, yeah it's one of those netflix films that's worth your time i would say yeah, I, as I say, I think you know it's it's it, it's a Sunday afternoon viewing. I mean, you could quite happily watch that with the parents or the kids, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you, no, you, no, you want to how old the kids are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, the Sunday evening stuff on ITV is quite horrific these days. So, in comparison, that's quite tame. So instead of the uh, songs of praise, you're going to put that on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Well, a film I wouldn't sit down with my parents to watch is our next offering, which is Incident in a Ghostland. Uh, this comes from uh, director Pascal Leguer, who was the director of Martyrs, which. Uh, Back in the day, left its mark on the festival. I remember quite a few people were having to leave because they were sick. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a bunch of pussies. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there was no walkouts on this one. Um, so, brief synopsis, uh, a family move into uh, uh, an old house in rural America and they are the victims of a house invasion. And that's all I'm going to tell you, because if I tell you any more, it will ruin the film for you. Um, it's it's a bit more than just a house invasion film, but it's it's it's, oh, yeah. it's very cleverly done. It's not Martyrs. You, you, there's nothing in it really that's going to make you ill, but it's it's very well done. It's bloody disturbing, though, as hell. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a hard one to talk about without spoilers because um yeah it's it's very much it's very com- complex and i have to say for me this is this is one of the absolute highlights of the festival i thought i thought this film was so good that i bought it the following day on on arrow videos blu-ray 
um, edition because it's got, uh, you know, this film plus a shitload of extras, which I which I like. But um, yeah, I, I, I thought this was very strong and very, very disturbing. I did. I did actually find it quite quite nastily disturbing in the way that you i guess you'd expect from this director um but in terms of its production values and its attention to detail absolutely amazing um there are so many everything that's going on on screen and in the script it's it's almost like the sort of back to the future thing where every little thing you see in here has some sort of payoff uh further down in the story um which 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 I really love it when movies you know they go into that sort of level of detail yeah that, this is pretty dark and disturbing stuff I think I would definitely this is definitely a horror movie uh and it's definitely one of the ones in my humble opinion that that, that delivered the best of the festival and I I'd put this up as, as a nine out of ten for me if we're doing the out of ten scoring yay system. nine out of ten Keithy definitely yeah yeah, I yeah. I loved um, I love his films. I thought the Tall Man was really good as well. Um, and as soon as I saw that, you know, because I, I was I didn't really look at the program much. And as soon as I heard that he had a film, I'm like, right, I'm going to be there definitely. And it didn't disappoint. I like you. I bought the Blu-ray um, just because I want to show someone and say, hey, watch this. Um, and it does share uh, some of his signature traits, i.e., brutal violence um to you know very intense a lot of intensity um and um also his his perchance you know for having sort of making the viewer be sort of side uh, you know knocked sideways all of a sudden you're like oh what what's going on and but then ultimately it all makes sense and um yeah one of the best films of the festival for me it uh it looked great it was filmed very well the the actresses involved were very impressive um and they had some yeah one of the one of the bad guys had a little bit of a a weird sort of alice cooper thing going on but uh, <laughs> but apart from that i i thought it was top notch and i'm like yeah here we go the f- the festival's been uh, is is picking up now uh, and it, it hit just at the right time as well. I think what time was it? it was only like nine o'clock was, or something. Yeah, it was nine, yeah nine on the Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that for me was like bang. Thank you very much. That's more like it, Clive. Uh, yeah, this is a proper horror movie. Um, I, 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 this is this is one of the few films in this festival I actually found scary. Uh, it, it it really puts you through the ringer as you'd expect from the director of Martyrs and the Tall Man. You know. If you've seen those movies, that you'll notice certain kind of recurring things that the director likes to do, um, and yeah, I mean, for me, it's not quite as as good as like I Martyrs, but it is very, very good, and it has does have some amazing moments in it, um, and it's yeah, it's just it's a really good horror movie. I mean, my only slight thing with it is I felt like the the choice of the sort of the two villains felt a little bit retrograde, like for now. It they, they it felt like if this was the 1970s or the early 80s, then I wouldn't bat an eyelid at this. But it it, it just it, it for now it it felt like oh, this is kind of like 
like you, you that you're sort of you're digging up these tropes again. So you know, and I felt like he could have done better there because because he's because he, the filmmaker so clearly knows what he's doing that you, you get certain choices and you're like ah oh, that's just that's, that's a shame. For me, that but that that was but that's a really like a minor quibble, I think, uh, because because uh, because ultimately, you know, it 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 works, you know, and you care about these uh, the, the the central uh, girls, and you know, you're absolutely with them on this ride. Well, I have to say, it's never quite clear when the time frame is when this when this ha- when this film is taking place. So it could be kind of an eighties thing. It could be. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it could be. Yeah, it's nothing there to say it wasn't or well, is. There, there was. Well, I think it is actually, isn't it? Because you you get the perspective without spoiling anything of a, a young girl and an adult, don't you? So there is a time uh, slip going on there. There, there isn't is, there? but and this is on my initial. Uh, see, I have to be very, be very careful here. Yeah, but very there careful, was a thing yeah. I noticed, and I thought, "Oh, that's a mistake," and then it turned out not to be a mistake. It turned out to to uh, fe- feature. I know what you mean, yeah. Because yeah. it was, and it was, and it was to yeah. do with when it was set. So I, right. I was saying no. Yeah. I was saying no more than that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was meaning when I was saying about there are so many little things that that pay off later. You know, the attention to detail and. Um, yeah, that, that thing that you're referring to is, is part of that. But people will need to see it to see what we mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can get it on Blu-ray now, yeah, so yes. no excuses. Yeah. Arrow video. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the things that is good about Fright Fest, that a lot of the time of the films they show, it's the only chance you're going to get to see it on a big screen. Because I don't think Incident in the Ghostland is getting a theatrical release if it's already on Blu-ray. Shame, shame, yeah. Because it, it worked, it worked well on the on the big screen. Actually, it was. Um, mm. yeah, oh yeah, a good yeah. film for that. Yeah. Right, moving on to the final <laughs> film of the night. Uh, again, I I skipped this one for the pub. Uh, so, um, who wants to talk about Boar? <laughs> I'll talk Any- about it. Go on, Mike. Boar, Boar is basically your typical Aussie. In the in the outback, and there's a big fucking monster-sized animal that is running around, smashing the shit out of everybody, and then they throw into this mix a group of characters who, um, you know, there's one. Uh, is it Bill Moses? Yeah, Bill, Bill Moses yeah. in it. Yeah, uh, John Jarrett. John Jarrett is in it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. John Jarrett, the guy from uh, Wolf Creek, which, by the way, is an amazing series. But there you go. That's another podcast. So it's balls instead of jaws. It's just li- literally some really cool uh, uh, animatronic sort of beasts and just you know constructing situations and scenarios to throw people in so they can be attacked by this massive monster. And I thought it was dumb fun and it was seven out of ten and I quite enjoyed it and I quite enjoyed the Aussie vibe, you know the dialogue and the the banter and things like that between all the old men slagging each other off in the bar and things like that. I thought that was great. Um, It was nothing more, nothing less than that, really. And I thought what was done in terms of gore and blood effects was competent and worked. And I I, I quite enjoyed the creature. Uh, I think there's only a tiny bit of CGI in it, which you probably had to do 
because they probably did uh, mechanical things but this thing was huge this bore is fucking massive um, and they pulled it off I thought it was good is it better than Razorback? no I can't really remember Razorback to be honest with you well it's I, about I a giant bore terrorising Australia. no I know that <laughs> I, I know, I know that. But what I'm saying is, I I haven't watched it for years, so I can't say that I've got any particular perchance for for bloody Razorback. Anyway, oh, okay. it was okay. I, I, uh, some people love it, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's just a pig attacking people, you know, which is what this is. So did, did you see this? Clive? I did. Uh, I love Razorback. I think it's a really stylish uh, movie from Russell Mulcahy. So it's got this uh, and a Razorback has as this beautiful kind of like MTV uh, like video aesthetic going on, all these great kind of like gnarly characters and yeah, I would recommend that one. I wouldn't recommend Boar. Um, Boar. Whenever John Jarrett was on screen, I was engaged and I was thinking, okay, this is this is kind of fun. And then when he was off screen, I got really, uh, well, bored with it. Um, but I have to say, watching this on the IMAX screen, as we were, did it absolutely no favours because it showed up all the kind of, like, warts, basically. Uh, and, you know, the main one of which seemed to be that they only had one light when they were filming at, at night. So... Uh, I don't know if you guys spotted this, but I couldn't unsee it. It was like, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to put my filmmaker hat on here for a second. So apologies if you listen and you, and you, and you tune out because you're bored. But it, it, if, if you if you underlight something, there's a lot you can do in post-production now through the grade, through, through your colour timing in order to kind of make things visible. And you could see that whenever they were in a night scene, then they'd then they cranked it up to the max in order so you could actually see what was going on. But what that does is it means that in all this kind of blacks in all the in, in all the background, you get this horrible boiling effect where you've got like like lots of digital noise going on. And obviously, when you're watching it on a massive IMAX screen, that's like even worse, you know. So it just it kind of it looks ugly. Like whenever whenever they were at night, um, which kind of which I didn't like, um, and because the night scenes were underlit, and that tends to be when they were killing people, I felt like I wasn't get full like full value in terms of like the horrible boar killings, which is the kind of gory stuff I was looking forward to. Um, so yeah, I, I I I yeah I didn't like this one. So yeah, I mean for for me. Um... It was just okay, but I found it a little bit boring, no pun intended. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I agree with Clive. Uh, this is one of the one of several films that, that really didn't work on the big screen um, because, yes, there was a lot of digital noise, a lot of pixelization. There was also some CGI in this that looked appalling. Um, and I think it probably looked worse because of how it was projected. Um, but yeah, it was just okay. I enjoyed the John Jarrett banter stuff like Mike was talking about. I thought that was all right. And, you know, there was nothing wrong with this. It was just okay. Um, but it wasn't that great. And I, I'll be honest, I certainly wouldn't be giving it such a high score as you were, Mike. I would I would put this at sort of uh, 
five out of ten at the very best i would yeah. say um but uh but yeah i mean it was it was it was okay it wasn't wasn't horrible but it wasn't amazing either so um yeah so you didn't miss much simon okay oh i made the wise i choice. don't think you missed much <laughs> yeah i mean it's 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 one of those it's forgettable i won't you know if, if we talk about this in six months time i won't remember it i have a soft spot for cheesy monster th- uh, things so i, I yeah, quite no, i quite enjoyed know. it yeah. I, I like the i like the idea of the the big pig going around munching through people yeah it, it delivered on that i mean as i said i i i take clive's point i think this actually might might serve better viewed online or um on home media or something you yeah. know it might actually yeah, look a bit, yeah, a bit more true. convincing um yeah but uh yeah it did it just felt a bit cheap and cheerful but it was all right yeah yeah, yeah. okay moving on to saturday and this is where we've got a bit of division now i think in terms of what we yeah all saw. I, I spent <laughs> most of the day at the prince charles cinema on on saturday so yeah Okay. Um, well, we'll we'll do it film by film then. So, if there's a film that uh, that you saw at the same time as the one we talk about, then we'll we'll do that then instead of saving it for the end. Okay. Cool. So. Okay. Okay. So uh, the first film of the day was Ravers, which I missed. So, who wants to do synopsis? Well, Mike's the only one who saw that. Then, out of the four of us. Really? <laughs> oh God. I wish I obviously didn't dodge a bullet on that one. Uh, Murder on the dance floor uh, is basically um, there's mutants and mayhem going on at a, a rave. Um, basically, there's this drink that gets tainted with some bloke accidentally falls back on a switch, and he the the Dr Pepper bottles by the looks of it get um, you know infused with more than. Uh, the the normal amount of quantities of some ingredient. So when they all start drinking this shit, because they go to the factory that has since closed down, they all start drinking it and they all start going sort of zombified. Um, and basically, I've written three out of ten shit. Um, <laughs> that's what I thought about this film. I thought they had Natasha Henstridge in it, who uh, who basically looked great for age. Actually, uh, she looked really good, uh, but she's only on screen for about two minutes yeah. tops right um and it was it, it confused me because it was made in wales but it but they all had american accents and they made out that it was in america obviously for commercial reasons mm. so i was obviously i was a bit stupid and like i thought why aren't they talking welsh uh and um it was piss poor sorry it was piss poor you know there's some there was the odd bit of violence but they kept this is a theme that is actually going to continue into the next film is that they 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 had a location and then i i do notice when people reuse certain areas of location more than like three or four times you think hold on a minute we've been down the same fucking corridor up these same set of stairs or you know uh, and and all the characters were not very interesting and i just wanted them all to die very quickly <laughs> and disappear so um you didn't miss much guys uh it was uh, it was a uk film and um overall not very interesting uh the, the storyline was pretty much what i told you um and um it was garbage 
There you go. I went to see uh, Book of Monsters with Clive over in the Prince Charles. Basically, the plot line for this is uh, that the lead character is called Sophie. It's her 18th birthday party. It becomes a bloodbath when six terrifying monsters descend upon her house, intent on devouring the party guests and killing anyone who tries to leave. And then as her school friends are torn apart and eaten, Sophie must rally a band of misfits and take up arms to send the party crashes back to hell. To survive the night, Sophie will face her destiny. Monsters are real and she's the only one who can stop them. So it, 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 this was a really, um, it was low budget and it, and it looked low budget. However, sometimes you can, you can kind of forgive that when the, when the spirit of the film, you know, you know the, the script's really good. The characterizations are brilliant and there's some really good comic timing and chemistry between the various characters in this film and it was just a fun horror adventure um it was very much a i think a cast and crew screening that we were in there was a hell of a lot of the uh cast and crew present and they did do a q a for this one which was again one of the sort of pluses like clive was saying about going to the discovery screens but you, you, you know when sometimes you you just you just have nothing but sort of good vibes and good feelings for the filmmaker this this was one of those things the guy came on he wasn't arrogant or pretentious in any way shape or form uh he was clearly very hard working and passionate about what he did uh he made this with with a lot of his friends and um uh you, you know it was a good bit of entertainment um you, you know low budget but as i said you kind of forgive it because there's just some wonderful beats and character moments and the actual script itself is is pretty tight and pretty funny so it's a really good comedy horror adventure and i i would recommend this one clive uh yes uh i i, I concur i i really i i had a lot of fun with this one um i'd say in terms of sort of tone, it's kind of well. I, the plot, I guess, is is almost a bit uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets the Evil Dead, in that you've got this magical book, which uh, yeah, that's quite which, a good which when certain things are read out with rituals, you know, uh, unleashes these monsters, and then you've got her being kind of the chosen one who can stop the monsters, and you know, uh, and it all links back to this childhood sort of. Uh, trauma she's had um you know th- th- there was a lot of like really nicely uh, sort of written and played awkward party humor with with the sort of young kind of uh, with the young cast you know and that kind of like awkward geeky uh, uh, people at, at the party and yeah it, it really you know so that it was kind of charming you liked you know i i, I found the ensemble really likable I agree with Keith. I mean, at times you could see it sort of showed its budget, but it, but it, it was kind of, but the, the thing was, even when there was an effect shot, which wasn't quite like a hundred percent, it moved, it moved, it didn't dwell on it. It just moved through quickly. And then there immediately there was another effect shot, which did work. If you see what I mean. And it was all practical. It was all, you know, there was lots of sort of blood and grew. And I thought the uh, monster designs were really cool. 
Um, and yeah, it, it was uh, it was a huge amount of fun. Really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, uh, it's it's a recommend. I didn't see uh, the, the director uh, director Stuart Sparks' first movie, uh, I think The Creature Below, which also played at Fright Fest. I mean, he he wasn't terribly uh, uh, sort of uh, complimentary about it. So, but he, uh, in the Q and A, I mean, he did say he learned a lot from it, and he, clearly he has. So, I think this this is a, this is a really good kind of like rental, you know, streaming movie. Watch it with you know with like a you know just a, a, just for a bit of fun, you know, uh, with, with your drink of choice and a bit of pizza and some friends. It, it's a real sort of it's a giggle. yeah definitely a lot of fun right well the next film uh, wasn't much fun (laughs) (laughs) Um, actually this was one this is one I was looking forward to and uh, I have a history of Fright Fest that usually the film I'm looking forward to seeing there is the one that lets me down and this was the film that let me down Um, okay Heretics is a um Oh, it's a film set in like the Witchfinder general uh, sort of era. Um, women are being burnt at stake for witches, and uh, in this, uh, one woman is saved from being burnt, and she's taken to a nunnery. And um, nothing is what it seems. There, it's there's a play going on, and the place is cursed. And yeah, it's I don't know. It just it it just was a very flat film. Unfortunately, there's some good actors in it. Mm. I mean, you had Claire Higgins from Hellraiser, and she was probably the best thing in it. Even though I think she could have been a lot more sort of utilized. Yeah, utilized. Mm. Uh, as you as you pointed out, Mike, that they used a lot of the sort of same locations over and over again. It did. They. It just sort of felt same brick wall. Yeah, this, they just fell into this trap of like people spying on other people in a, you know, through a doorway in a corridor, and they did it so many and nothing times. Happened. And nothing happened. Nothing <laughs> happened. Yeah, and you know, yeah. and it, it it plays out the way you think it's going to play out, and oh. yeah, it, it. I think because um, um, Jason Finn, who's a, another recurring guest on the. Um, on the podcast uh, you know I, I was sitting next to him throughout the whole Fright Fest and he told me that the the ending that they came up with was a lot better originally and they they changed it for something else which you know was very generic and we've, we've seen it all before and you know it's a shame because um, uh, the director Paul Hyatt you know he is uh, a special effects wizard he's the guy who designed the creatures in the descent and many other films and um, you know it, his directing debut um, Seasoning House was was very impressive I wasn't a big fan of the film but it, it had a certain style to it and this seemed to be like a step back for him it didn't it I didn't see like an improvement I mean how was was fun and it, the production values on that were, were really good and on this they they did seem I mean it's weird because they were filming on location which they talked about in the intro but 
it did feel like they were in the studio and they only had these few corridors that they could film in. (laughs) (laughs) My view is it was appalling. One out of ten. Michael Ironside was the best thing in the film. Yeah, he's only in it. And he was in there in the beginning. Yeah, for a minute. I know, another one of these, yeah. So hold on, you you rated this lower than Ravens? Yep. Oh, wow, okay. It was garbage. It was boring as fuck. And they just kept having the same nuns chatting around and then hiding because the sister might hear them. And then the sister suddenly magically appears like the shopkeeper from Mr. Ben behind them. (laughs) And and it's like, oh, for crying out loud, when is this actually going to go somewhere? Then you had someone that ripped off a little bit of the exorcist makeup for the poor girl that had to endure all that makeup, who I think Keith knows. Uh, you've acted with her. She was great as, as the the uh, witchy sort of possessed creature, but it was it was all just like oh what what the hell waste of my time. I liked that bit, the flashback scene, because they did something that I've not seen in any other film, and I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, I can't go into it because it you know will spoil the story, but I thought that I thought that was a nice little touch, but unfortunately, the whole film itself was just it wasn't very good. So going from th- ravers to that, it was bad. Yeah, I mean, for me, I wanted to be. Um, I-, I thought the film was really well made and really well acted, um, but like you guys, I, I found it a little dull. Um, I kind of wanted it to be better than it was because you- you're absolutely right. Um, one of the actresses in it, Katie Sheridan, uh, who who was in the flashback scene and played the demon and whatever. She was uh, she's the lead in the Rebecca Gold web series that I'm currently involved in. And uh, it was really good to see that she was there and, you know, uh, had a film that was on the big screen and whatever. She introduced me to Hannah Arterton, who seemed really nice. And, uh, you know, I can't really have fault any of the acting in it. It's always great to see Michael Ironside in anything. Um, and, you know, I think Paul had done a good job in terms of the film uh you know the production values were high and all that sort of thing the 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 thing that let it down is it just wasn't very exciting it just wasn't very tense it was a it was a bit dull and a bit mundane i'm sorry to say Mm. um i i wouldn't damn it quite as much as you have mike but fair enough Mm. but uh but you know i'd probably only give it like a four out of ten myself so um yeah yeah, it's, it, it, it could have been... I expected a bit more from it. I think that's what it is. I, I was so disappointed that I was looking forward to it, like Simon was, because Paul Hyatt, I think, you know, he, he, he's made some you know fairly decent films. And I was thinking, by the end of it, I thought, oh, God, I can see why this was like three years in limbo, doing reshoots and all the rest of it. They just had something that just wasn't working and they tried to make it work and then they've now thrown it out there and it's like, you know, I know they've probably spent a lot of time and money on it, but there must have been something fundamentally flawed in the project from the beginning, really. Well, I think that for me, the the main problem was I didn't feel outraged at the what was going on. Now, I'm a big fan of Ken... Yeah. Well, no, I'm a big <laughs> yeah, fan yeah. of Ken Russell's The Devils. And at the yeah. end of that film, you know, you, you are absolutely outraged at what has happened to the main character. In this, you don't feel any of that. You know, it, it's it's a shame. Yeah. I mean, they were going for similar territory. I think when you have, 
you know nuns in that kind of time period you, you're going to have draw comparisons to the devils but unfortunately this it just no just didn't work no Clive hello uh, I, 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 ch- <laughs> I chose to see something else oh okay what did you see <laughs> I, I saw control or C- okay. CTRL if you prefer uh, which was uh, one of the uh, every 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 year I think for the last I mean for three years now they've had a, a, a strand called which they program called First Blood which is first time fil- uh, films from first time UK directors uh, and so that, so on on the Saturday they programmed four of these and I watched three um, so the first one was Control and uh, it's it's basically it's basically a kind of contained thriller where you've got um, this reclusive uh, computer genius uh, who's holed up in his apartment and he gets visited by his uh, estranged sister who brings her new boyfriend to stay and they uh, the siblings reconnect uh, but then uh, uh, basically the the reason that the uh, reclusive genius has been holed up is he's been creating this artificial intelligence who goes rogue and locks them all into the apartment and then things go a bit strange. So, and I will leave it as that for the synopsis. Um, I thought uh, this one, had, this one had, had, had a lot of potential. I re- I liked the sort of the family dynamic they set up at the, at the beginning, but, uh, you know, I'm always fascinated by these kinds of uh contained movies because I find they're really difficult to do really really well so it's always you know I feel like when I read synopsis and stuff of things like this I'm rolling the dice unfortunately in this in this case it didn't work and I felt that the reason it didn't work is that the 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 film is very arch and pretentious and it, it plays with a lot of interesting concepts but does it in a very intellectual way uh, so I never really felt like I was connecting with the characters because it, it the whole film was at one remove from them if that makes sense so I just I lost patience with it uh, quite quickly and although I found the ideas interesting it, it, it ultimately it was such a dry film uh, so it, it was a disappointment for me well I have to say a film that didn't disappoint Mm-hmm. And this was one that's been uh, in the making for quite a long time. Is Chuck Steele, Night of the Trampires. Wonderful. We originally saw Chuck Steele many years ago as a, a short film. And uh, they did this great publicity stunt where they gave us all these uh, Chuck Steele masks. And I think they still use that photograph on in the Fright Fest program of the whole audience wearing these masks. And, um, yeah, the... The, the short was was great. I mean, they packed so much into that sort of 10 minutes. It was like, wow. And But the thing was, uh, I wanted to see how they were going to take the, the idea from that short and turn it into a feature, how they could maintain that for 90 minutes or 85 minutes in this case. And they pulled it off. I mean, it was a lot of fun. It was a very sharp script. And it, you know, it dealt with all those sort of tropes that you see in uh, action films. Uh, so Chuck Steele is your maverick cop. He's, you know, on the edge. He's a loner. <laughs> he, 
he doesn't like working with partners and um, unfortunately for him there is uh, an outbreak of what's known as as trampires they're originally vampires that uh, were kicked out of their castles in Transylvania ended up on the streets and then started drinking booze and then started having a craving for uh, alcohol infused blood so uh, uh, drunk people are, are like their, their new targets and um, I won't say anymore because you know half the fun is that um, this is another story that the small details pay off things that are said pay off in the film and it's it's I, I, I really enjoyed it it made me laugh and it was a lot of fun but what did you guys think yeah well, I, I think it's really important to point out first of all for our listeners that Chuck Steele is a completely um, stop-motion animated film from start to finish so uh, this is you, you know absolutely painstaking uh, filmmaking goes into producing something like this um it, it, there, there was a three minute uh car chase sequence in it that took them over a year to film just that so i mean the amount of work that's gone into this um is you know it, it's at that sort of uh Ardman animation level of um of, of detail and uh, painstaking uh, in-camera animation work rather than, you know, uh, something that's CG or hand-drawn or anything like that. Um, so so it's an absolute feat of genius in terms of uh, the way it's pulled off anyway. But that said, agree with Simon 100% that in terms of characters, storyline, uh, attention to details, humour everything this absolutely works it is so bloody entertaining it's unbelievable it's hilarious it's really politically incorrect but i think that's one of its uh, strong points i mean it really plays on the trope of the 80s cop action movie uh you know you even get a montage <laughs> a, a musical you know like a heavy rock montage and stuff going on in this um but it, it, it's just tons of fun. And, you know, they play on the, uh, you know, like you said, this cross between tramps and vampires. <laughs> and you've even got a, a character called, um, what is it? Abraham Van Rental. <laughs> uh, 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 and it's, it's just, I mean, you could watch this film 10 times in a row and notice yes. things going on <laughs> in the background, you know, that you hadn't seen the first time round. It's one of those films that definitely um, requires a, uh, a repeat viewing. And, and my, my, my hat is absolutely off to this filmmaker. Cause I'm always saying, you know, how hard it is to make films anyway, but to make a film like this, really is painstaking work and to make something like this that actually works on story character visual you know the whole level um you know i i couldn't say anything better about this and this is this is a definite nine out of ten film uh for me and uh again one of the highlights of the of the festival good good on him mm. well i thought the first half hour where they literally threw jokes at you at an astounding rate that were really funny was great 
but a lot of animated films I often find that they once they start having to go they've got the jokes out of the way they then go into the story and I must admit I did nod off a couple of times in sort of in the middle oh, really? yeah oh. in, the, in the latter thir- two thirds or whatever uh, I did then wake up and it was like yeah well, that was really good so I've marked it 8 out of 10 but I, I do find that animated films that rely on the comedy and, and the visual jokes and things like that it can get a little bit too samey after a while once you know that they've got funny names and uh, uh, you know some of the setups and things I, I really like the uh, the the production values it's incredible I, I, I was like quite shocked when they said oh it, we've had a bu- our budget's 20 million dollars for this uh, which is like whoa you know there's a lot of people working on this mm. they had like hundreds of people crafting all the all of the models and things and they did say that the voices they, they, they're trying to take it to Hollywood and maybe get Stallone would be a perfect voice for the main character um, so I think that maybe it's actually going to have some legs when they add some Hollywood voices to it. It it it, it will make a big splash. Um, but as I said, I did sort of fall a, a little bit asleep. I don't know if it's just because I was tired or I was bored with the first two films so much. But opening third really was amazing, and then when it settled down to the story, it sort of lost it a little bit for me. But then I came back at the end. I must admit, though, I don't think Stallone's voice would be very good for Chuck Steele. I mean, Chuck Steele's got a certain um, way of talking, and Stallone's way of talking is a lot different, you know. It, it's, it, it, the the humour is very much about what he's saying, so, you know, it's Stallone going, you know, in his kind of rocky voice. Well, if he slurs his voice, then yes. I mean, the character was kind of based on a, you know, a Stallone trope, type character from those films wasn't it you know like the cobra type character or whatever but dirty harry stallone thing wasn't he yeah yeah yeah, but, uh, yeah. exactly yeah did clive see this one uh no i watched another film oh <laughs> <Yeah>. what <laughs> uh, are, are, are you all are you all done with your chuck Steele comments yeah, yeah, go, go yeah. on, Clive. Yeah, so I, I watched another one of these First Blood movies uh, at the Prince Charles. I watched The Devil's Doorway, uh, which is a sort of uh, a UK-Irish movie, uh, first-time director, uh, Ashlyn Clark, And essentially, it's kind of a found-footage movie, uh, It's but it's also a period horror movie. Um, it's set in... Uh, if you're familiar with this, with the... The, uh, the Magdalene laundries and the sort of scandal around the Catholic Church there is sort of set in one of those where essentially uh, fallen women, i.e. women who've, who became pregnant out of wedlock, were had their babies taken away from them and essentially became indentured slaves for the Catholic Church who worked in these laundries. Uh, How can it be found footage if it's set that far back in time? Because it was filmed on because uh, it, it's filmed on sixteen mil. Oh, what, oh, I don't know what time period you're talking about. Uh, 1960s. Oh, okay, right. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, right, this yeah. this was happening up until uh, comparatively recently. It, it was, uh, and, and you know, there there was a, a movie uh, called The Magdalene Sisters, which came out a few years back, which is explicitly based in here, and, and this is too. So you have these two father, you have these two priests who come in to investigate a, a alleged miracle. Uh, there's a statue that's been weeping blood. And so they come in to investigate this miraculous event in in the Magdalene Laundry, 
and they find that all is not right. Um, and yeah, ver- various things start to go bump in the night and that, and I will leave it at that. Um, I thought this was incredibly, incredibly well acted and well put together. I'm not always the biggest fan of found footage movies. I, fa- I find it can just be a tired sort of trope, which is lent on and, and it doesn't really add anything to the film. In this case it did. Um, it's almost a faux documentary more than it is a found footage movie. Um, they have a nice setup at the beginning where you see the, the younger uh, priest who's, who's the one behind the camera uh, filming himself in the mirror doing a test. And, he, and you can see the front of the camera has got one of those um, uh, sort of ro- rotating lens things where, uh, whereby uh, where, where he can sort of change between three different sizes of shots. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, which makes for a nice way of cutting within camera without cutting, if you see what I mean. Mm. So it, it's it, so, so that they can hide their edits and you know, it, it doesn't break your your sense of disbelief that we're watching this play out as it plays out. Uh, it's all shot at Academy, and most of the film is in mono as well. So it, it, all, it all lends this sort of authenticity. The director, I believe, comes from a, a background of uh, theatre, and the performances are fantastic. So I'd say the first hour is brilliant, where you sort of, where it's really rooted in the life of, the Magdalene Laundry and them investigating all these things and things gradually sort of building where it goes. It becomes, it becomes a bit more generic. Um, I think the ending works. Uh, ultimately, you know, ultimately it does some things we've seen them in a, in, a, in loads of other movies, but because we care about the characters and cause it's, and cause it's character based, I, 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 I went with it on that. And uh, yeah, I think, it's really clever, and like I say, although it's mono for most of the time, when you get these supernatural things start to happen, then the film goes to surround. So then you start hearing things behind you and stuff like that. So it's very cleverly designed. It uses it's a low budget movie, but it, it uses its budget in 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 a very precise ways. It's a very it, it's the per, the people putting it together know exactly what they're doing. At no point are you broken out of it by, oh, that's a low-budget thing or anything like that. So very, very impressive debut. Oh, I quite like the sound of that. What's that called again? That's called The Devil's Doorway. And it, it's, a very, Doorway. it's a very uh, lean 76 minutes. Mm. Okay. Sounds like one I wouldn't mind checking out, actually. That sounds good. Right. Moving on to the next one. Uh, what Keeps You Alive? Uh, this is a film about uh, uh, a married couple, two ladies, who uh, go out to a cabin in the woods, and <laughs> I don't know. Should I? You can't really say much without spoiling it. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's you know, it's a it's a it's a thriller. Yeah. So something happens to them in the woods. Um, from the intro, we told it was you know it was shot over what three weeks with a, a crew of thirteen people, including the actors, uh, two of which are from Jigsaw. Uh, it's a husband and wife team. Husband uh, directing, wife on uh, on the screen, and also writing the music. And 
boy are they pushing that because already I've seen articles on other websites and magazines talking about it for me I was not a big fan of this film um, I I was with it for most of it but the characters in it do some very stupid things and they're supposed to be twists but they're very stupid twists um, I, I think uh, what I can compare it to is imagine the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre where the girl escapes from the family and then decides to go back Okay, that's my feeling about this film <laughs> um, but I mean I don't know what their budget was I mean the way they were talking about it they were making it sound like it was low budget it might not have been um, uh, it, it was it was an interesting concept uh, and they certainly sort of used the location well and stuff but I didn't like the characters I thought they came across very smug and you know not very likeable and also um, from personal point of view I got a sense of deja vu in a scene near the end uh, from my own film now I don't not saying that these people have seen my film and decided oh we like that scene but uh, you know it's it's weird when you see something in another film that takes place in your own film and you do wonder you know is did they come up with them by themselves or did they or have they or have they seen this in my film or another person's film because you know at the end of the day I'm not saying my film is very original uh, but um, yeah for, you know it was I I would say this was like a 4 out of 10 for me wow okay we, we had very different experiences here then because um, for me this was another highlight of the festival mm. um i uh, the, the this was made by the people who made a film we saw in glasgow called it stains the sand red the previous year so that they are kind of it's a nice sort of husband and wife directing acting writing team um they seem to have got quite a good thing going in canada with this stuff i actually preferred this to it stains the sand red um I actually really, really like this film. Um, I felt really inspired, I, I guess, because of the fact that, like Simon had already said, there was a 13-person crew, and that included the four main actors that were in it as well. And they filmed something like, there's no spoiler here, but um, initially when they set up the, the house in the woods that they go to, uh, there is a very smooth... Um, tour of the entire place so that you get to know the geography uh of it which i thought was really well shot and really nicely done and then later on when things go a bit manic you you have a you know handheld um going through the house very jerky you know again because that sort of works with the psychology of the characters and what's going on um but yeah i take simon's point as the character at the end does sort of, you know, like you likened it to like the woman going back after Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, I mean, she does it for a compelling reason, uh, although it does seem somewhat stupid. Not that compelling. Well, you know, I, I kind I, I forgave that and I went with it. No. And also, also, the thing is, her plan B was a much better. It would have should have been a plan A. I was so it was so dumb. 
It was really, I, I, I you know, it, it was that point where the film should have ended and they just carried on and it really got dumb. Oh, well. I didn't mind. I, I would give this out of 10, I would probably give this a 7 out of 10. I, I, I was really impressed with it and it showed what you can do with low-budget filmmaking if you've got a strong team around you. So uh, uh, I, I had a different experience. I was inspired by that. Hmm. Uh, I'm with Keith on this one, Simon. Funnily enough, I, I thought it was really good, and I like the way that they said at the beginning they were it was going to be a husband and wife that go to the woods and this thing happens. But the for me the dynamic uh, totally against my normal uh, character uh, having the, the lesbian sort of couple changed the dynamic of the story for me in a massive way that actually made it possibly for me more interesting. Um, the the bit at the end was a little bit sort of daft, but I think you could actually justify it. Yeah. But I don't want to go into that now. That'd be for another conversation. Um, but um, I actually thought it was good. I found it entertaining. Uh, I thought it was a pretty solid film. And I actually rated this eight out of ten when I did my scoring. So um, I I really liked the uh, the dynamic of what was going on in the film. Um, and uh, I don't know obviously there's something about it you didn't like and there's something about it that I, I actually liked and just and I thought I was going to hate it so I thought it was a very like Keith says very well made low budget film with an interesting dynamic I thought the actresses were fine I didn't have a problem with them um, I actually quite liked the uh, the introduction of the other characters as well um, and the location looked great but uh, I can understand if you try and apply too much logic to most of these films you'll be able to find some glaring holes um, well, I wouldn't say it was logic I was just you know it was just really daft I, I do agree with you but I think there's a reason yeah. why that could have happened but um, but okay. overall I thought it was, it was pretty strong and I actually quite enjoyed it Clive did you see this one? Uh, I did not know <laughs> what did you see? I saw Fubar. Oh, right. Is that fucked up beyond all recognition? Well, you know, they never, they don't say those words, but it is F dot uh, U dot B dot, uh, you know. So, yes, I, I think we could say it is it does take inspiration from Tango and Cash. Yes, uh, I, I believe yeah. it's a German phrase. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's a quote from uh, Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yes, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Uh, yeah, so uh, Fubar. Uh, basically, it's it's a it's a stag weekend where you get a bunch of, uh, of, of young 27, uh, 20 uh going off uh, on a uh, paint, uh, on a zombie apocalypse apocalypse themed paintball weekend, which is run by a load of ex uh, squaddies who are all a little bit kind of um, well. Let's just say that they that they maybe enjoy their work a bit too much, um, and although things things start off all very amusing, uh, they quickly go very badly, and uh, yeah, uh, in a, in hilarious fashion. So yeah, this is a horror comedy uh, leaning very heavily on the comedy. Um, that, that uh, I it's it reminded me in, in in some ways of this kind of British Tucker and Dale versus Evil, in terms of you got these sort of hapless uh, 
protagonist who who keeps stumbling into these horrible things happening, and it and get things get worse and worse for them. It's got absolutely scene stealing performance from Mark Heap, who uh, if if you're a fan of British sitcoms, then you'll recognise him from things like. Uh, like Green Wing and Big Train and 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 such like, and who plays the uh, uh, the father-in-law to be of of our hero, uh, who's who's getting married, and yeah, it, it's it, it has like one uh, there's a moment with Mark Heap, which is just an inspired moment of physical comedy, which just had me in bits, um, and yeah, very very funny, and it is one of those sort of things of. Uh, it was it, it was exactly what I needed at that point in the day because I'd watched, you know, a very two, uh, you know, differing films, but they were both kind of serious. You know, one was very dry, and one was uh, one was quite sort of you know traumatic and serious and about serious things. So it was nice to watch something really light and and, and you know gory and silly. So yeah, I, 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 this is a lot. You know, I, I don't know if I expected bad things, but it was, it was much. Uh, I was, I was delightfully surprised. It, it's uh, really good fun. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. So the next film uh, is Upgrade, and um, I have to say, this for me is the the highlight of the festival. I would rate this as my favourite film of the whole festival. Um, Synopsis is that a uh, man is uh, he, his wife is murdered in front of him and he is left uh, a cripple and he is approached by a computer whiz who uh, has come up with a chip that will not only let him walk but uh, you know upgrades his whole system and he goes out to fight to get revenge on the people who killed his wife. And that's sort of the the basic uh, outline of it. Uh, It draws very much on films like uh, Robocop and The Terminator. um, You know, sort of those kind of tech uh, noir films. Uh, Really well done. Uh, It's it's a shame that the... It's weird because this film's come out first, but we've got Venom coming out. And if you've watched the trailer for Venom... It seems that story plays very much the same way as this story does. That it's about somebody who's kind of taken over a bit by another entity. You know, in this case, it's a computer chip, and in Venom's case, it's a um, a symbiont, a symbiote. I think that's what I'm trying to say properly. But you know, it's it's a shame you, you've got these two stories that are coming out the same. T- you know, more or less around the same time. And Venom's probably going to do better because it's, you know, it's a known IP where I think Upgrade looks, for me, was a great film and probably is a lot better than Venom. Most of the main actor looks very much like Tom Hardy. He does. He does. I was thinking that. Uh, I agree, Simon. 10 out of 10 for me. My favourite film of the festival. Uh, there's uh, also Cronenberg-esque body horror elements in it which I thought was really good it's, it's done by directed by Lee Winnell who was one of the co-creators of The Saw 
film originally and he was the guy in the bath who uh, in the actual film saw and he's very talented and he made this with Blumhouse didn't he for three million dollars or something yeah five million five million all right but I thought that you I thought that he said in the Q&A he actually only spent three um well that's what I heard but um anyway basically I think he did a fantastic job they had some really interesting locations uh, the tech was good. I loved those sort of tech sci-fi, you know, or not cyber. It was cyberpunkish because it was actually set into the future, wasn't yeah. it? So uh, I just loved everything about it. I thought the main actor was great, um, and uh, it ticked every single box going uh, for the sci-fi stroke horror fan. Um, good action scenes. Um, and uh, a, a, a really good sort of payoff at the end. Uh, so awesome film! I can't wait. I'm going to buy it on Blu-ray as soon as it comes out. So add it to my collection. Yeah, same here. No, like, likewise here. Definitely, um, you know, one of my highlights from the festival. Uh, absolutely loved it. Um, you know, yes, it had all of those sort of film, um, you know, the sort of Robocop Terminator, a little bit of Death Wish and whatever in there with the, like you said, the Cronenberg-esque body horror. Um, I also found it sort of drew, I don't know, source material wise, but um, it had some elements from Martin Caden's Cyborg novel from the 70s that was adapted later into the uh, $6 million Man TV series. Oh, yes. This is kind of like, you know, Six Million Dollar Man with violence, uh, you know, for the 21st century. There was a nod to that when he was on yeah. the running machine. When I saw him on the running machine, I was like, oh, that's a Six Million Dollar Man, isn't it? Yeah. And they actually say better, faster, stronger in it, which um, is kind of like literally from the uh, opening credits of, of, of every episode of that. So, um, the, you know, there was there was definitely, I think, some influence there. Also, um, shortly after Lost, um uh josh holloway the actor josh holloway was in a really short-lived tv show called intelligence and it was about an agent that uh, had a chip in his brain that could connect to the internet oh, right. and therefore you know um you, you know outdo the foes with all that sort of thing and I, I felt it sort of had elements of that as well um in this um but one of the things they did really nice is is it yes it was set you know at some time in the unspecified future, but they had quite a nice mixture of high tech and low tech, you know, like the sort of um, world that, uh, that, that, that I think it would be like where you've obviously got, you know, these, these um, computerized uh, vehicles and stuff, but also you've got standard, you know, internal combustion engine type vehicles. And obviously they, they, they made his character, you know, um, a restorer of classic muscle cars and stuff. So, you know, again, kind of fed into the character, the fact that he was low tech and, uh, and, and they made him high tech. Um, so I, I thought they did all of that stuff well, um, you know, and they tapped into the, the, the violence and, and stuff well with that. Um, so yeah, I loved it. It would be a 10 out of 10 for me also. Um, uh, Logan Marshall Green did a good job. I actually did a little bit of stand-in work for him on Prometheus, so I've I've met that guy. It's good to see that he's that he's going on to uh, bigger and better things. And um, yeah, the whole Blumhouse model, I can't say anything but good things about that because you know, fi- basically the thing is, you get 
the script is approved. You get five million dollars um, to make it. And, you know, not not a penny more. That's what Blumhouse give you. But they give you complete creative control. Um, you, you know, the director gets to, to, to make the film that he or she wants to make for that budget. Uh, Lee Wunnell did a great job with this. I mean, if this is a five million dollar film, it easily looked like a hundred million dollar film. You know, the uh, the look of it, the style of it. Um you, you know really works so um i absolutely loved it and uh yeah it's probably the the movie of the festival for me and uh, i'll probably go see it again because it's getting a general release i think and um i'll uh, definitely be buying the uh the blu-ray particularly if it's got commentary and special features on it so uh big thumbs up for me yeah so clive clive yeah i did actually watch this one um yeah, I was really looking forward to this. I'd, I'd really like the trailer for this. So, you know, and uh, I think Lee Wanell is an interesting filmmaker. Um, yeah, it, it 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 works. What can you say? I mean, it really does evoke that kind of a that sort of eighties action horror uh, thing, where where it's primarily an action movie, but where it does go into horror. It, it, it's properly R-rated. It doesn't sort of wimp out. You know, it, it, it's got some nasty sort of uh, moments in it. Um, and, you know, the, the way that they sort of evoke his kind of fighting style when uh, when when this sort of uh, AI stem takes over his body is really clever and works. Um, I, I like the interplay between, uh, you know, our, our hero and the AI you know, it's, it's, it's very much that sort of Michael Knight and Kit from Knight Rider sort of uh, thing going on almost. Yeah, it had, it had a little bit of a Howl type element to it as well, didn't it, in some respects? <laughs> it, it, it very much did, yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, the, the, the dynamic there has played really well. I mean, it, it's it's all very it's it's quite generic, the whole kind of setup for the, the sort of revenge plot. But because all the other elements are so well done, you know, it, it's it, it's a genre movie that understands and loves genre and absolutely and, and gives you the payoff that you want. And it it works really well. My only slight quibble is is that the fights in the middle perhaps get a little bit repetitive, a tiny bit. But uh, and. You know, I, I felt you could see the budget a little bit in in a couple of places, just where, you know, it would it would have been nicer that if he just been able to spread his wings a little bit more and just give us a little bit more of the of the sort of world of the future. But we get enough. It, it, he's very clever with how he paints in the details. So, yeah, uh, it, it absolutely works. It, it, it played gangbusters at at the festival, and um, yeah, it's a real audience pleaser. And, and even though I, it's funny, it's uh, going to Fright Fest a lot. There are some movies where you're like, I know this is going to get a, this is going to get a proper release, but I want to see this with the Fright Fest audience because the Fright Fest audience will appreciate this, and they did, and I did, and yeah, great fun. Excellent stuff. So I skipped out the last film. Uh, I again went to the pub. Lucky you. Lucky me. So who saw Fright Fest? <laughs> uh, I walked out of it after about. 15 minutes of bullshit it's a one out of a 10 walk out uh i'm gonna leave it at that because it was garbage 
<laughs> okay. Did anybody else watch it? Uh, I did actually stay for all of it. Yeah, it was. Oh god! It wasn't great, but it wasn't awful. It was just Keith. okay. It was just a. It was just a very run-of-the-mill, low-budget slasher film um, that takes place. You know, uh, some guys escape from a um, uh, a prison transfer from a you know, um, escape, uh, asylum. And there's a, um, a live event taking place in this small town, uh, called Fright Fest. The live event is, and they keep mentioning that. Um, and the, 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 the real, the real killers end up sort of involved in this, in this maze live event. I mean, it's, it's, it's a reasonably well, good idea, but it's not particularly well executed. Um, it's pretty low budget and uh yeah it, it, it's it's forgetful it was just okay you know i'm amazed that you stayed awake for that i did did clive stay for it i i didn't stay for this one i went to the duke mitchell film club party which is a, a very which is the sort of thing that's been running a few years now it's peculiar to fright fest but i'd never actually been before although i'd heard very good things and yeah if you if you've never been to fright fest i think it's absolutely worth doing it's a lot of fun. It's like a mixture of like stand-up comedy, short films, uh, public information films, uh, like weird oddities, uh, gross trailers, uh, and and lots of like celeb guests of, of all the various kind of filmmakers. And it's all uh, you know, and, and there's all stuff being given away free. And it's all you know, it, it, it is. It's a party atmosphere, and it's a lot of fun. And you and you will see lots of weird oddities you won't ever see anywhere else. So, yeah, I I, I love that and uh, would recommend it. So moving on to Sunday, and the uh, first film of the day is Hell is Where the Home Is. So who saw this? Because I didn't. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah saw it it's a home invasion i liked oh, it it's nine out of ten yeah Keith, i was gonna say please. i thought it was really good yeah go on you, okay. you 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 describe the plot um well basically there's there's a couple of uh uh dysfunctional couples who rent a luxury desert home for a weekend um to sort out their their relationship issues and whatever i guess uh one of them is is a complete jerk guy you yeah. know, like uh, the, the absolute stereotype of a complete um you know, you know uh, egotistical knob end basically um uh the other one's a little bit more relatable and then they've got their respective uh, girlfriends with them one's a bit of a party girl the other's uh a little bit less comfortable with the with the drug taking etc um basically a woman turns up to the front door wanting to use the their phone because her car's broken down and um yeah i mean i, I can't get into spoiler territory here but it, it all gets a little bit out of control from there and um becomes a uh you know a home invasion film but there's there's there's, there's a few twists and turns and different threats and whatever and um again i I think this is probably made on a fairly modest budget, but um, it didn't look or feel like it was. And, uh, you, you, you know, the, the director knew what he was doing, um, you know, sort of stylistically with this. 
And yeah, I, I, I thought it, I, I don't know if I can say much more about it without giving away major spoilers, but um, I thought it was uh, I thought it was quite entertaining. There was there was one little thing that was a bit distracting, um, one little story plot point which uh, wasn't explained quite as well as it could have been. But um, but that's me nitpicking. Uh, essentially, it was uh, I'd probably give it an eight out of ten. I think it was it was a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mike? Yeah, oh, wow. okay. I thought these the script and the interplay between the two couples because they got this classic dynamic where you've got two couples who, on the surface, when they first meet, they're hugging each other and they love each other. But the, I like the way that it plays with all the, the actual little things going underneath the surface, the the backbiting, trying to the guy trying to the asshole guy trying to wind the other bloke up and and gradually you can you their sort of initial friendship that seemed perfect at the beginning is slowly disintegrated and stripped away and then what's thrown there then all then once they're in this state where they've had this got this disintegrated relationships between each other they then get this home invasion thing thrown at them and that's what i thought was really fab the way that um the guy who was the arsehole was the one that was actually talking the most sense in my in my view uh in the film uh in certain in a lot of the circumstances but uh I, there was they had some really interesting masks the guys that did this home invasion and i did think the film for me only lost a point because there was a bit where you know when you have people with these masks on then they take the mask off and then it sort of removes the threat it's like when michael myers's mask is lifted it's like okay he's a normal bloke uh but the the, the actual art design of the mask was quite disturbing i thought and quite malevolent and uh really added to the whole because they were sort of like mexican it was in near mexico wasn't it set near mexico in this deserted beautiful sort of flat you know overlooking yeah. sort of a valley and uh, yeah it was very contained i mean that 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 was one of the things they did with this they had a beautiful yeah. location because the apartment really was quite impressive and um, yeah because it was in the middle of nowhere and essentially on a hill um you, you know everything took place within the apartment and uh yeah it worked it worked nicely i, I thought it was decent yeah i enjoyed it yeah really good really enjoyed it uh, and that was really as i say that's a nine for me on that one i would like to uh see how what happens to that okay. really impressive well, I'll, I'll try and check it out yeah, yeah. sunday morning <laughs> it was a surprise because it was it was one of those where you didn't know much about it and wasn't expecting much and uh yeah, it actually delivered. And this is one of the things I do love about doing Fright Fest is I don't particularly research anything. I just go and like to be surprised sometimes. And, and sometimes it's pleasant and sometimes it's not so pleasant. But in the, in this case, it was, uh, it was, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Excellent. So Clive, did you see this one? Uh, I didn't. I saw uh, the film Life Changer at the Prince Charles. Okay. And, uh, and was it? Uh, <laughs> Hey, very good. Um, this is a film about a uh, about a shapeshifter, um, a character who may or not be human, but uh, essentially uh, he goes from body to body, or he or she, uh, and through. Uh, oh, here we go. They're, but they're 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 sort of their human shell only la- once they've taken it over only lasts them for a, a finite period of time. 
and when it comes to the end, then they need to find another another host body essentially. So you got a bit of body horror, and you know if you've seen sort of films like The Hidden, then perhaps you know you'll have that in mind. But actually, this yeah. takes a, this takes a very different sort of uh, sort of slant from it uh, in that in that you're kind of from the point of view of this shape changing murderer essentially, but. You, you find out quickly that this this uh, entity is doing it because he she needs needs uh, feels it's the only way they, they can continue to survive and we and it's got a very good use of voiceover where where which helps to sort of tie the various different people together there's also some quite some sort of recurring physical ticks that you sort of pick up which go from person to person um, but and then, so once you're introduced to this sort of central person, then you find out that, okay, so if you are that kind of character and you fall in love with someone, well, what do you do? Because, you know, you're having to change bodies every, every few months. So how's that going to, how's that going to work? And, and how do you, how do you find any kind of happiness or, or even hold on to your sense of identity when you'll keep changing bodies and when it when you change bodies then you get all the person's memories uh, and you sort of inherit their life and so on so it's kind of you know there's some nice moments of dry humor you know like like when the person comes in and they've just become a dentist and and you see this kid in the chair and he's looking really scared and he's like don't worry it's not the first time i've been a dentist um so that sounds quite quite good actually i quite like that there's quite there's this sort of sweet like indie kind of almost like romance thing going on with, with this woman that he's trying to he she is trying to reconnect with um, the whole time and at the same time this sort of the net is closing in on them because you can't keep murdering people without leaving a trail of bodies um, and it's yeah it, 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 I found it really affecting and uh it it's it's a really quietly sort of powerful and moving piece yeah uh, for it's it, it, it's it's uh, canadian uh, director justin mcconnell who i mean uh, with, I, I was introduced to him at the duke mitchell film club thing and I said oh i'm watching your film tomorrow and uh yeah so yeah, i mean he gave a gave a q a at the end and i sort of went up and sort of got, told him how, how how great i thought it was and it is I and you know definitely one of my films for the festival. I loved it. Loved is, it. is it is it in a weird way got a bit of a sort of quantum leap element to it in the fact that you say that he takes on the memories and 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 stuff of these people that he transforms into and uh, you know sometimes it's hard to leave and whatever. Is it is it got that or is it more horrific than that and less sentimental? It's more horrific than that. I I would say and also uh, I mean. Obviously, the, the conceit with Quantum Leap is that when he leaps into the bodies, he doesn't know he's going into that person's body. He knows nothing about them ahead of time. So in this in, in this case, not all the time, often it's it's more, I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying sometimes there's premeditation. It's like the person... Ah, right. Like, uh, yeah. And, and it, they set it up quite well with there are things that, the, uh, that this entity can do to sort of accelerate the change in body or to like retard it so it, you know it sort of brings all this stuff in it's really well thought out and and you know really well acted so yeah great stuff nice okay you've got a few uh few of these um 
discovery ones to look out for by the sounds because some of them sound pretty good yeah mm. right well moving on to the next one uh it's the man who killed hitler and then the bigfoot <laughs> i enjoyed this film i i thought it was a really sweet film and uh i think the title is a little bit deceptive because you're thinking it's going to be a lot crazier than it is uh but it's it was really well done it was kind of like a throwback to an ambling film yeah you know it had that kind of you know style so it had the certainly the composer was sort of emulating john williams with a lot of the score um so you have um, Sam Elliott playing the titular character. He is, uh, I guess, an all-American hero, um, and it's it's a sort of a study of 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 that kind of character grown into old age, and you know, still somebody who's being called upon to you know to do something that other people can't do, and. Um, I thought you know it was it was really well done. It deals with sort of getting older. It deals with somebody looking on their past and regretting some of the decisions they made. Uh, and yeah, um, you know, I was this was one of the films I was looking forward to, and uh, it's you know it certainly delivered. And um, yeah, I don't really want to say much more because again, it's spoilery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think well worth checking out and Sam Elliott is great and it was it was such a treat to see that magnificent moustache up on the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Mm. No, I'm, w- I'm with you on this. I, I really enjoyed this also. I know a lot of people didn't. Um, I had no idea what to expect from a bonkers title like that. I was just like, okay, let's just go with it. But like you said, it was a really, I, I like your comparison to Amblin films. Mm. It, it, it did, it had a real kind of um, sweet sort of sentimental uh, undertone to it. Um, many say, oh, well, this wasn't a horror movie. And I can kind of see where they're coming from there. Um, and uh, it, it's it's really good because you've got, you've essentially got two timelines with this or two mm. time periods with this. You've got Aidan Turner playing the young version of Sam Elliott's character. So that's in the, uh, the world war two, the, the, the Adolf Hitler part of the story. And, um, you know, then it comes and obviously there's a romance going on in that period as well. And then you come to the future, uh, or, or the more present, should I say, uh, with the, with the Bigfoot story with, with Sam Elliott. And, um, yeah, you know, it, it, it is a reflection on certain choices that were made, through his lifetime and uh yeah i thought it was quite a sweet sweet little film um i've heard a lot of criticisms about the bigfoot not really looking much like the bigfoot um, <laughs> yeah that's a spoiler like... mate <laughs> it, i suppose i suppose it is is that a spoiler mm. i suppose it is yes yeah, it is <laughs> sorry, sorry to spoil it but uh, but yeah but it, it, I, I thought it was enjoyable, um, and I thought it was well made and well acted. So uh, yeah, I and I, I didn't. Ex- I went in not expecting much because of the bonkers title. Frankly, I sort of thought, "What is this going to be?" And mm. uh, like you said, it's not that bonkers after all, really. Yeah, mm. um, I agree with everything you said. I like Sam Elliott. Uh, it was a very nice film, and it. Christ knows why it was on at Fright Fest. It wasn't a horror film. 
by any shakes it, as you said it was more of a sort of a very warm sort of interesting movie uh, but I suppose you could say well Fright Fest do throw in these odd ones just to just to um, keep you on your toes and you know so as I said I must know if I was a first time Fright Fest and I, and I saw that there I'd be a little bit confused but uh, they often do this often put things which don't really it's basically it does make me think that any film with any sort of you know because it's got a creature in it I suppose the Bigfoot that's why they thought oh well that will that's a Fright Fest film but but anyway good film and I think I gave it a I'll give it a seven or eight out of ten on that. Yeah, one, actually, that's that's a seven fair out, rating. Seven out of ten. I enjoyed it. Didn't fall asleep, uh, and uh, it was much better than the uh, film that I watched afterwards. Yes, but uh, Clive, did you see this film? I did. I'm going to be a dissenting voice on this. I'm afraid. Uh, um, uh, I thought it's a little bit disappointing. Maybe because I was looking forward to it, and so therefore, I perhaps I had some expectations. Um, I, I wasn't, it wasn't that it wasn't a horror movie cause I, I wasn't absolutely expecting that from it anyway. Uh, I love Sam Elliott. Uh, all the Sam Elliott stuff is great. I, I, I can even go with the fact that, that Aiden Turner is a young Sam Elliott, even though that's crazy town. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it works fine within the film. Um, for me, there was just something a bit lacking. It, it's a, it, it, it takes its sweet time. It sort of ambles along like its protagonist. Um, it's very bittersweet, which is fine. Um, but I, I just wished it had been a little bit more focused. It, it sort of it sort of meandered to a close rather than sort of like rather than this big finish. Without spoiling the end, there's a point where it seems to have an end and then it just continues for, for, for some time and there seem to be no consequences. And that, and, and that, for that, that sort of took it down for me. Also, again, I, and I feel this is probably that thing of watching it on a massive screen, uh, the IMAX, this, <laughs> and perhaps because it's slow, uh, I noticed this film has like some of the worst barbering I've ever seen in any movie ever. <laughs> okay. No, no, I know. I know it sounds really random, but you know when you see something and it just bugs you, and you're like, "What the? What, what is <laughs> okay. that?" And, and and it's like basically that you, you have the character of of uh, Sam Elliott's brother, who's a barber. Mm-hmm. And, and you see him go to his brother and have a chat with him while his brother's cutting his hair, and you see his brother cut someone else's hair, and it and it's just he's so obviously not cutting hair. Oh, he's just right. sort of he's just he's just he's he's making motions behind the head, and he's the way he's, he's using his comb. You're like, no, bar- barbers don't don't cut hair like that. Just even if he just bra- it, 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 it's, it's, it's just like someone just miming combing yeah. it, it reminded me of that Monty Python sketch like the, the lumberjack sketch where he's got a phobia about cutting hair so he just puts the soundtrack of, of hair being cut on oh right um, yeah uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, it just I, I know sorry I, I've gone on, on, on this massive brand oh for crying out loud Oh, so dear. no, I mean, it, 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 you know, it, there's a lot of good stuff in it. It's 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 a very bittersweet romantic kind of film, and you know, 
but I, I guess I was a little bit disappointed because I, I was hoping for more. But ultimately, for me, it, it, it was flaws. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Flawed Barbary. Yes. I think that's a really amusing, a, a really amusing um, observation. Sorry. <laughs> well, Tim said the same thing as well, funnily enough. So that shows you uh, how bizarre that is. Uh, it should have been the man who killed uh, Hitler and then learnt how to barber. The man who didn't have his hair cut. <laughs> okay. Well, talking about a flawed film, uh, the next one on the main screen was he's out there um, yeah Fright Fest tends to get these sort of US horror films which are you know uh, shit just subpar yeah or shit uh, and you do wonder was it their choice or was this put upon them so that they could get another mm. film uh, I don't know uh I think was it Paul McAvoy who came out and uh, introduced this one and he said very good things about it oh that's a surprise well it was on after that after that short film wasn't it oh so, uh, right yes um, do you want to talk about the short film not not really really no. okay no. alright uh, it just yeah it just I think it worked I think it was sort of in line with the film it's the main film itself they uh, they weren't very good uh, not very original. Um, so um, he's out there. Storyline is um, mother takes uh, her two uh, two daughters to a cabin in the woods. <laughs> Ooh, God, you think again. we might have seen this before? Uh, uh, the the husband is to join them later because he's got got to go work. Um, and when they are there. Um, um, uh, Mr. Exposition turns up at the gate and tells them about a kid that was lost in the woods and then suddenly um, the girls are drawn off into the woods by a red string and you know we're introduced to a, a mm. masked killer who's, who's who plays with them uh, and we are treated to some really dumb people who <laughs> do really dumb things and who run into the house run out the house run into the house run out in out in out in out shake it all about yeah and you get to the end and you go thank fuck that's over well i didn't get to the end because i walked out because it was <laughs> okay. fucking stupid this film when the woman is banging on the window desperately trying not to break it because obviously they didn't want to break it on set or something uh, to someone who's approaching to get their attention I would have smashed that fucking window and raised all hell and it was just I was like Christ I'm not going to bother trying to put any logic behind this this is absolute tosh so uh, I removed myself uh, isn't the, the, wasn't the main actress someone that was in something yeah, handmade? Yeah, it was, it was y- y- Yvonne, Yvonne Strahovski, I think her name's pronounced, and yes. she was in one of the seasons of Dexter. Oh, um, okay. And she was very good. Yeah, she's in The Handmaiden's Tale. That's and it, also, yeah. also, she was great in Chuck. I, 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 I enjoyed that TV series when it was, when it was on Chuck. Right, I'll, I'll be honest. Sorry, that's that was another up, kind of story about like upgrades. Chuck was about a spy who had a computer program put into his head so he could do all kind of spy stuff. Oh, like Joe Ninety. Right. Yeah, they just, like they Joe just 90. ripped off Joe Ninety, the bastards. There you go. 
Sorry, sorry, Keith, I interrupted you. No, it's all right. I was just going to say, um, I didn't actually hate this as much as you guys. Um, yeah, typical. It was. It, it it just wasn't anything particularly new or particularly original or anything. But I didn't think it was, uh, you know, badly made or badly acted. It was just. Boring. It was just okay. It wasn't anything um, standout. But I didn't actually think it was as bad as you guys have said. Um, and it was, and it was a pleasant release after the uh, the the short film that came before it. So you know, was that the only uh, release you had? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, it, it just was. It's just not memorable. It's just yeah. one of those. It's a very throwaway kind of, you know, horror channel um, afternoon type film. Uh, you know, that's 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 just okay and nothing special, but. Uh, I didn't. I wouldn't damn it quite as much as as you guys. But uh, hey, you know, I, I I like the actress in it. I think she's good. So, oh, um, yeah, I mean, just I would just. I mean, I think it would have been far better if the the two daughters had gone missing for most of the part because they were very annoying. Yeah, <laughs> they were very annoying. They were just. I mean, you know, the fact that one of them was in peril. That peril seemed to go away very quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, yeah, uh, I was not a fan of this one. No. Uh, Clive! Uh, no, I took a break for this slot. Okay. Well, wise choice. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I took a break as well. <laughs> mm. Okay, well, moving on to something that was a lot better, uh, in my humble opinion, and that is Terrified. Uh, this is an Argentinian film, um, and um, yeah, it's um, the film is kind of like a crossover between uh, the sort of ghost investigation part from Poltergeist and paranormal activity. activity. Bit of that, yeah. Bit of that, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's sort of it reminds me of a few other films, but I can't put my finger on it. I mean the whole sort of they're there but they can't be seen element to it. Uh, well, I like the way that they shifted around timelines in it, didn't they? With some flashbacks. Yes, they did. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, yeah. Though this was one of the films where we had somebody being knocked over by a truck or by a vehicle. Again. We had quite a f- yeah, we had quite a few of those this year. Hmm. Though this was probably the better one. I just had a better yeah, payoff. Yeah, I, I thought this yeah. was strong. Yeah, yeah, always I very. It was big. very, it was very good film. I mean, it wasn't. It it, it had some. It, it sent some nice chills up my spine. And there was um, two girls who were sitting next to where I was, and they they jumped a few times at this. So it, it certainly worked. Um, yeah, it's um, it's kind of deceptive because when you read the synopsis, it it sounds like it's a, a slow burn film. The, the the synopsis in the program is saying that you know these voices coming out of uh, the sort of the drains and the pipes and stuff and you think it's like going to be about like a couple slowly going mad in a in a house or something but uh, that's like within the first five minutes that yeah. takes place. Mm, yeah. it, in fact, uh, that's a really strong opening. Yeah. The opening is really strong. strong but like yeah. you said, 
you think it's going to be about those characters and it turns out, uh, out to be about the investigation Nation. instead. Yeah. So it's uh, that very was... much a procedural type film after yeah, that. Yeah, that was very good. And the characters in it were really well drawn out and, you know, their interactions were really good. I mean, I like the police chief in it, the one who has mm. a bit of a heart condition. Yeah. Even though I'm... I, I would say the only flaw is that we didn't know he was the police chief until near the end, which I don't know why they kept that information from us. I, didn't, was... I, I don't remember him keeping that information. I thought he was the police chief all along myself. Oh, okay. I mean, I thought he might was just a, a detective. Yeah, I'm, I might have missed mm. it in the... Um, the subtitles, there were a few mistakes in the actual yeah. subtitles. Yeah. So I, I might have missed missed it until sort of later on in the film. Um, yeah, because when you're reading the subtitles, you can sometimes miss what's going on screen, can't well, you? Well, the the problem is because I'm because I was right at the back, uh, and if there's people sitting in front of me, it, it's it's mm. the the cinema's kind of well laid out unless you're in the back row. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. Do, that's yeah. why we weren't this year. Yeah. 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 That's so you know. So if there's anybody sitting in front of you and there's credits, you you're having to look round people to to, to read them. So yeah. I, I might have missed a few things, but uh, overall I thought this was great, and uh, yeah. I certainly would like to see it again. Eight out of ten for me. I thought it was very very good. Couple of creepy moments, uh, and uh, as I said, very bit paranormal activity, uh, but with the procedural thing. Yeah, really nice, uh, really good film. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I have. I haven't got much to add, Clive. Uh, I watched a different movie. Oh, what did oh, you watch? Okay. Uh, at the Prince Charles, I watched Await Further Instructions. Oh, okay. I, was this good? Because I, I think I heard good things about it. Uh, this was great. Oh, okay. Uh, this is a sci-fi horror movie uh, from director Johnny Kevorkian, who uh, a few years back made. Uh, uh, a really good movie called The Disappeared. Oh yes, which yes. You might, which you might remember. Yeah, I remember that. Remember yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, this one is written by Gavin Williams, who's done a few shorts before, but you know, I'm sure we'll go on to things after this because it's a very well written movie. Uh, I I would compare it to a kind of like a Black Mirror or a Twilight Zone episode in terms of its setup, mm. which is uh, that you've got this kind of estranged son and and his girlfriends uh, uh, who, who's uh, who's an Asian uh, doctor and, and they and they and they're coming back to this dysfunctional family setting uh, and and the family are all <laughs> are all like at each other's throats the the uh, the grandfather of the family is a massive racist um, <laughs> and, and 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 there's and it's and it's all set at Christmas time so you've got the so you've got this actually it's funny if the sci-fi horror element hadn't come in, I would have been quite happily, uh, quite happy watching this sort of like drama stroke black comedy playing out of, of this sort of dysfunctional family. Cause it's really well drawn. But then at a certain point, uh, at this, uh, something happens and they find that there, that there's something's happened outside and they've lost all, they've been cut off from the outside world. None of their devices are working. The only thing that's working is the TV, which just has on all channels the message, await further instructions. And that when they go, when they go to the doors and windows, they find 
the whole house has been surrounded by this strange black metal and they're completely trapped. That sounds good. And, huh? and then, so, so then it becomes this whole kind of this increasingly paranoid uh, sci-fi thriller as the as we start to get different messages coming through the TV about what they should do to survive, and and it, and it's a really fascinating sort of thing of just how much we, you know, accept what we're told through through different media, through through TV, through phones, whatever, mm. um, and also you know how how thin the veneer of, of civilization is, you know that there, mm. there's like a there's there's a, there's some really good you know. Twilight Zone episodes has put me in mind of where it's kind of when people think the world is ending, then suddenly they stop being nice to each other, you know, uh, and uh, or stop feeling like they have to pretend that they that you know for the sake of uh, of the rest of the family. And and in this, that there's some it really it's really kind of cuts to the bone. It's really really hits all its targets and. I was I was really enjoying it and I was thinking oh you know I was really hoping they don't fluff the ending and they didn't it's uh, I, would, I this is a must see it's absolutely brilliant stuff excellent all right cool another one to add to the list yeah I mean I I would say my my one criticism about Fright Fest and this has been over the years is some of the films that get shown at the main screen you wonder and then you see the ones that shown at Discovery screen you think well why are why is this film in the discovery screen and not the main screen? Yeah. You know, because this would work I, better than one what I'm watching here, you know? I agree. I, I can only assume because this is this was a, a European premiere rather than a world premiere, so perhaps yeah. that yeah. that goes into it and it is But we as Fright Festers don't give a fuck about that, do we? Well, no. But they're not they're not into that well this is my point. They're not in touch with the people I said this to someone, I said we pay £185 where the regulars, where the people that have pushed this festival into the fore and we support it and we spend all our hard-earned cash and we sit on the main screen hoping to get the cream of the crop and they fuck us every year by sticking stuff on other screens, which is fine, but, you know, I know they put they screen it on other screens, but... I sort of miss the days where you'd go to Fright Fest and they'd have one screen, everyone sees the same shit, and they just put the best that they can put on. That is what I think is sort of missing from their their decisions. You, you should go to Glasgow next year then, mate, because that's, that's how it is there, you know? Yeah, no, no, that's what I miss. And that's what I think is, like you say, oh, it's not as friendly and it's more corporate. And it's been getting that way. And I was a bit pissed off when they started introducing the Discovery screens because I thought it's just going to dilute the content even more. And um, it's not diluted it. There's some cracking films, which we will get to as well, that were on the other screens that clearly anyone with a fucking brain cell would have gone, that is a main screen film, you know? I know. I think there's a lot of political decisions that, when it comes to the main screen. As I say, I think there's certain films that get shown there which they have to show to get other films and stuff like that. And, yeah, and and yeah. also if if they if it, there's some things that get shown on the main screen simply because they're mates with the filmmakers. Um, yeah, there's a know, lot of that. that, that yeah, that, that, yeah. that wouldn't 
you know, especially some of the shorts and stuff. And you just think seriously, you know, um, but yeah, uh, but, but that's, that's all part of it. That's, that's the industry, isn't it? So yeah. there you go. There you go. <laughs> right. Let's move on to the final film of Sunday. And that was Anna and the Apocalypse. So I skipped this one. I went to the pub again, uh, and saw the, the wonderful talent that was Fright Fest karaoke, which, uh, Yes, uh, if you missed it, you uh, probably uh, didn't miss much. <laughs> I missed it and saw the house sitter, which was a five the out of sitter. ten. Oh, night sitter, right? See. Okay. Uh, so, did did anybody see Anna and the Apocalypse? Uh, yes, I did. Right. Um, uh, I, re- I I I enjoyed this. I was kind of a little bit like, this is a uh, this is a Christmas horror musical coming of age movie. And, and I was thinking, oh, it's it's trying it's gonna it's trying to do too many things. It's gonna be a bit of a mess. And of it, and with musicals, it's very kind of like, are the songs any good? Is it gonna work? And yeah, it, this is a lot of fun. Uh, apparently, I mean, there was a short, apparently, an award-winning short, apparently before this, which enabled them to make the feature, which I hadn't seen. So I, I went into this completely cold, and found it very charming. Um, the lead actress Ella Hunt won the uh, uh, Rising Star Award at this year's Fright Fest, and uh, I can see why because she's uh, she's uh, absolutely uh, brilliant as as the sort of you know all singing all dancing uh, lead here, where she's playing a uh, uh, a, a college student who's just about to kind of graduate and uh, is clashing with her father because he wants. Uh, her, he wants her to go to university, but she wants to take a gap year and go traveling. And uh, it's, you know, it, it's very clearly setting in Scotland, in Scotland, and it's very of its of its place, which is nice. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you've got some nice scene stealing turns from uh, Mark Benson, and particularly Paul Kay, who plays the kind of if I call him a demon headmaster, I don't mean he's literally a demon. I mean he's just like he's just an absolute uh, bastard. Uh, but he's he, but but he, he gets he gets uh, like a scene stealing uh, song about about how he hates all the students and how 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 now how the uh, now everything's going wrong. I should set up things by saying it's it, you know the zombie apocalypse basically happens and. Uh, you know, uh, and, and the world ends, but, but, but you get this absolutely wonderful sequence, which I don't think it's a spoiler because it comes fairly early where, uh, you've got these characters singing and dancing and completely oblivious to the fact that the zombie apocalypse is starting behind them. Okay. So, so, they're, they're, so they're, they're basically singing about what a wonderful day it's going to be and how they're looking forward to the day <laughs> and, and, and behind them, someone's being eaten, you know, <laughs> so, uh, which is a very simple joke, but because they, because they choreograph it so well, it's done, it's done really well. I mean, I think the dancing's very good at certain moments. It does feel a little bit kind of like high school play. Um, and not all the songs hit for me, but yeah, it's very charming. It's, it, and if, if, if you you know, if you like high school musical, if you like <laughs> sort of coming, if you like, if you like coming of age stuff, then, you know, it's charming. And, uh, you know, it's sort of, it is feel good in a kind of, you know, like sunshine on Leith or something like that. Um, and, and I was surprised it, when it comes to the sort of towards the ending without spoiling anything massively, 
it, it doesn't wimp out, uh, you know, when it comes to what would happen when the zombie apocalypse breaks out. So, yeah, hmm. uh, I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. But okay. is the barber work any good, Clive? That's what I want to know. I, I, there are, I don't believe there is any barber work in this. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's safe. Uh, but was was there any barber work in the house sitter? The night sitter. Night I'll sitter. let you talk about this, Keith. I thought it was yeah, so I average. Actually, uh, it, well, it was average, but it, it, I enjoyed it. It's a sen- it, you know, the, the setup is one thief, two kids, three witches, no mercy. So it's kind of a... Um, it's set at Christmas. It's a bit of a home alone... Um, but also with a sort of witch witchcraft story as well. Um, it's quite fun. It's 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 light. Uh, there's some good character moments, and um, I didn't mind it. It was fine as a sort of late night film from my point of view. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. It was it was good to have something a bit lighter. Um, I thought it was quite well made. What what I found interesting with it is, as you know, I made I've made a film about um, a babysitter called The Baby Watcher, and um, what I tried to do with the sort of color palette with that was have very specific, you know, primary colors uh, to to um, to sort of uh, stylize it slightly. And this film very much uh, uses uh, only with a with a much bigger budget, obviously, but uh, uses those sort of things. I guess there's there's some uh, inspiration from you know uh, Dario Argento, Suspiria kind of color palette or whatever with it. But it's it's very Christmassy. It's very colorful. It's very bright colors. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's kind of fun. You've got some you've got some fun characters. You've got like a sort of um, stoner occult specialist who who stays in a garage across the road and he's got some funny lines and 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 funny deliveries but but you know it it is it's it's nothing special it's just average but um it, it's one of those good kind of christmas horror um comedy type films that uh that, 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 that you know it's 88 minutes it's it's lean it moves along and um yeah, it, it, it's fun. So I, I didn't have a problem with this. I was quite glad to see it. Excellent stuff. Right, now we're on to the final day. We're on to Monday. <sighs> so, did anybody see the opening film open 24 hours? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay, well, if one of you would like to do the synopsis. Hmm, a paranoid, delusional woman... Uh, who basically set a boyfriend on fire because she found out he was a serial killer, uh, is trying to get a job. So she gets a job in a 24-hour garage in the middle of nowhere. Um, and she's got a, what a, a, I don't know, parole officer who's basically th- says to her, that, you know, you're all right, you're taking your meds. And she keeps having episodes where she keeps seeing her her ex who's basically banged up in prison in the nut house somewhere uh and then what happens is uh you then get this sort of bit friday the 13th-esque of is he back is he not back bodies are starting to pile up and uh, uh building up to like a, a a big climax um and i thought it looked great there's the, the, the it was set it a lot a lot of these films set in the rain if they got the lighting right they've got really it gives it a lens at a certain style um it, they they got one location which they did say was shot in i don't know 
somewhere in Eastern Europe, which uh, Dublin is America. The main set was great. They did have her flat, which clearly looked like it was in a communist bloc country at some point in time. Um, but overall, I thought it was well acted, and I quite enjoyed the uh, the whole sort of little ride that it took us on. Um, and there was some, you know, pretty good violence, and uh, it's basically a stalk and slash with someone who was crazy thinks she's going crazy is she crazy and you know is has her boyfriend come back to take revenge or not so a bit of a who's doing it sort of film as well oh okay mm. so i enjoyed it yeah i mean that that that's a very good summary of it actually mike um can't really add any more to that i, I actually quite enjoyed this i have to say i like the containness of it um you know, I thought it was quite a good idea setting something in a 24-hour convenience store gas station type location in the middle of nowhere. That that sort of worked. Um, but yeah, like you said, it was a, a stalk and slash and a and a and a who did it kind of thing in there as well. And um, mm. yeah, bit of backstory that was fleshed out as well. So you you sort of slowly yeah. got a reveal of what what happened and her involvement and things like that. So there was yeah, some and there thought was some put good into character it. moments, good character moments. Yeah. It was pretty well acted and, uh, yeah. you know, it ticked all the sort of tropes of, of, of what it is, really. I mean, again, nothing nothing new or groundbreaking here, but certainly uh, certainly not a waste of 97 minutes no. either. So, good 7 uh, out of 10 opening yeah. movie of the last yeah. day. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Mm. Clive, did you see this one? I did, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's it for me. This is like solidly middle of the pack. Um, yeah, it, it it works. It it was fine. Um, I I thought they sort of overcooked it a little bit when it came to her mental state. You know, in it, it it's like they started it at like an eleven when they should have maybe started it at four and ramped it up. Um, you know. Yeah. So it. You know, there were there were just there were bits where it where it, it sort of t- it took the kind of generic choice, um, but I can't really knock it too much because you know it, it was it was it worked it was well put together it motored along you know and yeah it was it was oh, fine. I thought it looked so. really good as well. It had a nice polish to it. Yeah, I like I like I like the look yeah, of it. Yeah, or, or, or the or the stuff about the 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 rain ripper mm. and you know and and this hooded figure attacking you in the in the rain with his hammer, you know that that, that gave it a nice sort of yeah thing going on. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, um, I got a ticket to go and see Wolfman's Got Nards, but unfortunately <laughs> I didn't make it. But uh, Jason Finn went to see it and uh, so I can sort of give you his impressions of it so uh, Wolfman's Got Nards is a love letter to uh, the Monster Squad it's uh, made by um, one of the stars of the film the uh, the main kid in it and he talks to all the actors uh, from the film and the filmmakers and uh, sort of catches up with what's happened to them in their life since so um, yeah, it's um, I, I I sort of regret missing this one, but unfortunately I just didn't get up in time. Uh, mm. This was a um, like a eleven o'clock showing on the last day, which is um, it's always sort of a, a tough time. 
You live the student life, don't you, I Simon? I do, I know. Fucking layabout. I am. I am absolutely <laughs> terrible. But um, I, you know, I hope this is sort of uh, a precursor f- to the Monster Squad getting a Blu-ray release in this country. Cause I've got it on Blu-ray, actually. Yeah, but it's US, isn't it? No, it's region free. Yes, but it's only available in the US. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't, uh, yeah. yeah, but you know what I mean. You can watch yeah. it on a UK Blu-ray it, yeah. player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm I'm hoping that they'll they'll do like an all singing, all dancing, you know, version of the Monster Squad, which includes this documentary. Yeah, that'd so, be good. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing that one. It's um, yeah, um, I think very much in in the same lines as. Um, the Flash Gordon documentary that they they showed as well. Uh, it's just a shame that I would have gone to see that one, but it was on at the same time as Upgrade, which right. yeah, yeah, come on, yeah, that's that was a bad choice. But what can you do? Mm. Uh, you, this happens sometimes at Fright Fest that you have to choose between two films, and uh, you know, and then not so. go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Well. Did anybody actually sit and watch the whole of the Field Guide to Evil? Because I know I didn't sit for it, Keith didn't sit for it, and Mike didn't sit for it. So, Clive, did you sit for this one? Uh, no, I went and watched short films instead. Okay. Right. I'll just say I, I wouldn't Which sit through it either because it's 0 out of 10 for me. Yeah. yeah. What a load s- of bollocks. Yeah, just we're we're gonna skip it because you know we didn't read the synopsis if you want to find out about this steaming pile of crap. Yeah, it it, it just (laughs) yeah, it it was say what you think, Mike. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) but it was it's fucking awful. So, uh, Clive, um, so just briefly talking about the short films, uh, what were they like and what were the standouts? Uh, Yeah, uh, this the general standard was pretty good. Uh, there were clearly some that were in there just because they had famous people in them and you know that's kind of what you expect but um uh i I would highlight two uh there was one called neck face which is which is basically a kind of uh comedy about like a a wedding going like horribly wrong uh where this where, where the bride wakes up with this face like growth on the side of her neck uh which uh, if you think how to get ahead in advertising oh yeah uh starring starring izzy sooty um and that uh, and that was that was very funny um and uh, but the the best horror one uh, was the uk one uh didn't have any stars in it but she had a really strong premise called baghead um and it's it is that whole it's based around that whole kind of idea of of grief and you know if you're grieving what would you give for, th- for for like just three minutes with that person that you've lost if you could bring them back for three minutes what would you say to them and so it starts off one way and then takes a turn and takes another turn and it's just you know it's not a long short but it's but it's so well written and, and it's and it's got real teeth it's uh, absolutely uh, worth hunting out that one baghead mm. Right, uh, so uh, the next film is The Dark, uh, which I skipped, so <laughs> I leave it to you guys to sort of uh, talk about it. Quickly, one out of ten, walked out of it, I thought it was garbage. Sorry. Well, I did watch it all, um, 
although I didn't I didn't think it was great to be honest it was just okay um uh I'm just trying to even get my head into what what it was actually about um it's uh it's about this flesh-eating um ghoul ghoul, yeah out in the woods um where she was murdered and uh she comes across this blind boy and um which is which is in a car uh trunk car boot and she kills his is the person he's with and then they kind of uh go on this this journey together and um she starts if you like um experiencing more of a sort of humanity um and i have to say i was this is one of the films where i i can't say it because it's a spoiler but i was slightly confused by the ending to be honest and i had a conversation with a number of people um out there and and, and i came up with some ideas of what what i thought the film was trying to say that uh, some people said oh yeah maybe that was it but it was it was a bit vague and a bit ambiguous and not particularly entertaining. It was, it was just okay. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't give it more than a sort of four out of 10. Um, and that's probably being generous. So yeah, it was, it wasn't all that. You are a generous guy, Keith. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So, uh, Clive, did you see this one or did you go to see another film? Uh, no, I went to see Possum instead at the Prince Charles. Oh, this is the one that was uh, graded by our, our friend Rob Wickings. Um, I'm not sure that's that's his, his exact role on it, but yeah, he definitely works on on the film transfers and so on. Uh, so yeah, and uh, it was good to see his name up on the big screen, uh, especially on on a, on a very strong movie. Okay. Uh, this, this is from director Matthew Holness, who uh, you know, people may know as sort of an actor director who. Uh, was uh, played at Garth Marenghi in Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, the cult TV series. Oh yeah. Um, and he's done various other bits and pieces in comedy and sort of and, and horror. Uh, did a short called Gun for George. Um, bits and pieces, uh, but this is his sort of horror debut, uh, in feature debut. Sorry. Um, so uh, it stars Sean Harris, the sort of bad guy from the mo- from the last two Mission Impossible movies. Um, who plays this uh, disgraced children's puppeteer who who comes uh, who's clearly got a lot of emotional uh, and uh, like psychological issues who comes home to his childhood home where it where his sort of awful stepdad played by Alan Armstrong still lives and and he has this puppet called Possum who is this sort of like strange combination of like a of like a, a a boy and a spider and it seems to have a life of its own and it, it's very much one of these films which is led by visuals um there isn't uh, there's large swathes of it where there isn't a lot of dialogue we just there are just lots of disturbing visuals which go which give you pieces of the puzzle it's a very kind of it's a very harsh psychological movie it's quite it's not an easy watch and uh you know i was a little worried because it, it sort of it, it has a measured pace as well which on a monday uh the fifth day of a, of a festival is it, it's you know i was thinking oh my god am i gonna fall asleep but actually 
you know, it, it was that compelling that I did stay with it, even though it was slower paced, deliberately so. Um, and it gradually builds. I mean, if you've seen the David Cronenberg film Spider, mm, yeah, uh, I, 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 I would I would compare it to that in terms of you got this this uh, uh, character whose mental state is fragile, who's who's got all these demons from his past that he's that he's been confronted with that's the one with ray fines isn't it spider is that the one yeah yeah, yeah. And, 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 the, and there's this whole sort of theme of of uh, of, of abuse and childhood trauma running through it and and these really yeah like, like i say it really disturbing you know the, the, there's hints of things like don't look now in there um yeah, and of course you got the sort of creepy sort of puppet stuff uh, from uh, something like uh, you know Dead of Night, you know. So it's or magic, yeah, or, or magic. I mean, it's not a ventriloquist dummy, but it is, you know, it, it, it has something of that. And there's all these sort of children's rhymes, and it's 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 the kind of movie which really which slowly gets under your skin until you kind of like you know until you're sort of twitching it's really it's very disturbing uh so it's not the kind of film i'll, I'll rewatch in a hurry or, or for fun i will say I, I, I will call out the fact that the uh, uh that the score is is done by the by the bbc radiophonic workshop and and, and if you know anything of their work then you'll kind of know what that means it's you know it's it's strange electronica that's sort of that's kind of experimental and this film has that art house edge to it so it's not absolutely not for everyone not a mainstream film at all i could see why this wasn't a mainstream film um it's something very different but it's it, it it's something which is very kind of powerful if you allow it to kind of cast a spell on you so yeah i, I i'd recommend it but it's not for everyone I remember last year they showed a clip of this at Fright Fest, and um, I, as you were just describing it, I, I just sort of remembered that they showed this clip, and I was like, oh yeah, it was, you know, it was kind of sort of, um, the clip they showed, it was kind of Lynchian in, in some sense, so I was like, oh okay, yeah, that, yes, yeah. That, that, that would be, I don't mind seeing that film, you know, it, it looks kind of interesting, so um, I'm surprised it was sort of, Okay, yeah, Discovery Screen, but it was kind of like under the radar a bit. I don't felt like the festival pushed it at all, really. Mm. Well, they could have replaced the first or the second two films easily with that, couldn't they? Yeah, or even Heretics. Mm. Sorry, did I pick on Paul Hyatt, but you know. Yeah, maybe it's because it, it was the English mm. premiere rather than any bigger premiere, but... Uh, I, I would say that there was a lot of word of mouth about this amongst sort of fans, if mm. you see what I mean. Yeah. This one, while some of the Discovery screens, uh, they weren't packed out, this yeah. one absolutely was. Oh, you, know, okay. you, you, you know, so yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, excellent, excellent. Right, uh, moving on to the penultimate film. Nearly, nearly there. Nearly there. there. Nearly there. We've got the Golan which is a um, uh, second feature from the guys who directed Jerusalem, which was a found uh, found footage film, which I avoided like the plague. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so um, this again is from another horror website. This is from Dread Central. And it's a... Uh, 
period piece uh, set in a, a sort of Jewish uh, village where they come under threats from uh, from a, a band of outsiders because uh, they are their people are dying from the, the Black Plague and of course the people in the Jewish village are not and of course they think it's some sort of Jewish curse that they've placed on them and they want uh, the leader of this uh, pack wants uh, wants them to heal his daughter, and if they don't, they will kill everybody in the village. The one of the women in the village brings it upon herself to call up the Golam and uh, to help. Golem? Us. No, it's Golam. Oh, it says Golem on the program. I know it's it, it's spelt Golem, but it's Golam. That's 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 what fuck, that's how they fucking pronounced it in the film. Right. <laughs> I knew I knew somebody. Oh, you I watched watch it. it? Yes. So I, okay. I didn't see it. it. I didn't see it. They they, they were being precious yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> God, that was awful joke. Okay, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, it was a run of the mill film. Uh, it was all right. Uh, it was interesting from the fact that it was from this sort of uh, perspective that you don't normally see in films that often um, you know it it, it just it, you know it was just a bit blah it was just you know it, it was uh, it, you knew where it was going and what, how it was going to work out and stuff and uh, out of the sort of two films that we got from from the sort of horror website magazines uh, you know, starting their own sort of uh, f- production lines now. Uh, it was probably, I don't know, it was a slightly different. It wasn't as gory, uh, but n- not that sort of original or interesting. So, probably a four out of ten. Okay. Yeah. Well, I went and saw, unless anyone else wants to comment on Go- Golem. Golem. Well, I didn't see it. I saw the same thing as you. <laughs> which we're yeah. going to infuse about, about uh, I, I didn't see either I saw I saw a different film but oh, I'll, okay. I'll go you, uh, you guys okay well yeah go go ahead we saw uh, C- Cut of the Dead ah yes uh, is it one Cut of the Dead isn't it yes it's a Japanese film mm-hmm. which is a pleasant surprise uh, and uh, I thought it was a 9 out of 10 film and I'm going to allow Keith to describe it because I'm oh, too tired and my legs okay. really hurt um, yeah this, this again was one of the highlights of the festival this in my opinion should have definitely be shown on the big screen I can't believe it was it was tucked away uh, on, the, on a discovery screen um, that sold out so many times that they had to put this additional showing on and I'm glad they did because I got to see it. Um, essentially, it's uh, it's very clever because it's a, a, a movie within a movie within a movie um, sort of thing. In so much as you see uh, this one 30 minute take of um, a uh, what looks like a, a zombie movie being filmed while a zombie apocalypse actually um takes place and it's all done in one continuous take and you get to the end of it and you sort of think oh is it oh is that the film is that it sort of thing and then it goes to show you the sort of 
making of the or the or the production involved in this film and then um although obviously dramatized not real and then um it shows you the 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 behind the scenes of the film within the film so it's it's kind of like i tried to describe it to someone and i said it's like living in oblivion um meets uh sort of a found footage zombie film it's kind of <laughs> in, in, in japanese which is kind of uh, uh, it, it's really kind of hard to describe but man it works so well it is so amusing and it is so well done and well made and well executed and uh i just had the best time watching this as did the people in the cinema around me everybody was laughing all the way through it cheering at bits and you know you think you've seen it all and then they surprise you with something so it was mm. it was extremely well done it's very hard to describe i'm not sure my description's really done it justice but um if you like i mean it's very much a film aimed at people who don't just like horror movies but actually are filmmakers because it deals with all of the a bit like living in oblivion does it deals with all of the um the, the various technical issues that you come across as a filmmaker when you're up against time and budget and that sort of thing. And this was actually being broadcast in the conceit of the film as a live broadcast. So everything that went wrong mm. had to get covered up immediately because they were live on air with it. It's fantastic, wasn't it, Keith? is fucking fantastic and i was like i cannot believe that they did not put that because that it's a real crowd pleaser it's exactly what you want from a fright fest film and it was nice that they put something japanese on something a bit different and uh yeah, yeah. it was really really good i highly recommend it so yeah well the, the one thing they 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 missed for many years now is having like the zany Japanese film on like a, a midnight showing. I mean the Tokyo Gore Police or um, Train to Busan or whatever that which was a good one. No no Train to Busan is a very good one, but no we're talking about this. Wasn't there a sushi one? one the, wasn't there? Yeah, there was killer sushi one as well. Yeah. Yeah, they they sort of they shy away from those ones now. I mean it's. Uh, it's a shame, really, because they, they, again, yeah, there was something to, yeah, yeah. This was a highlight. I'd give this an eight out of ten or nine out of ten. You know, it's 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 yeah. it's bloody brilliant. Really well done. Okay, okay. So, Clive, what was the film you saw? Uh, I saw Black Sight, uh, which is a sci-fi okay. horror, sci-fi action horror movie. Uh, from director Tom Payton, who who did Redwood, which played last year, which I know Keith hated. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought this this had a really interesting premise, which is why I gave it a punt. Um, uh, basically, the idea behind it is that the H.P. Lovecraft mythos stories about about all these elder gods uh, who who have been here since for eons and sort of. Uh, have been sleeping and 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 a sort of return in the 1930s to to sort of you know come back and 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 all this sort of cosmic horror. All that is actually real in our world, uh, according to this film. And we get this sort of uh, Escape from New York style opening credits where they sort of detail 
all these happenings. But the effort in returning to in returning to our sort of uh, plane of uh, existence uh, has weakened them, which means that they can be deported to back to their uh, to their sort of dark dimension that they came from. And they do this by uh, by trapping them in a, in the in the body of a convicted uh, murderer. Uh, and and then and then the, and then they can be taken to this uh, this black site this uh, this this uh, uh, this kind of I guess military uh, base which has been protected by all the all these different um, um, like magical symbols and things like that think like the keep or something like that um, and uh, yeah so then they can, they can be sort of deported back to where it came from um, this movie is in love with John Carpenter's films. It's got a synth soundtrack which apes him. Uh, it really wants to be a kind of like an escape from New York. It wants to be a, a you know, it wants to be the thing. It wants to be all the great Carpenter movies. It's not sadly. Um, I mean, if you're a fan of all that, then you might get, you, you might enjoy this. I mean, the, the, some of the action is okay, but, but sadly that's it. It's okay. It's it's the setup is almost a bit like the raid where you've got this con, con, contained thing where where people sort of like raid the base, this cult raid the base in, in order to try and free this god who's about to be deported. Um, and you know some of the action's decent, but uh, but the kind of sort of generic the characters just feel sort of stock generic kind of like uh, people and i i just never really bought anyone as being real people um it, it's 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 okay it's watchable in a sort of like in a kind of generic way and you know i like hp lovecraft's sort of mythos stories and i and, and i like uh, john carpenter's movies so i didn't hate it i just found it a bit sort of meh you know right the climax let's do it the, f- of the-, the, the final oh. film <laughs> called climax oh okay um well we can know why they they picked this film to to end the festival with a name like that you you sort you know it sells itself obviously alan jones uh, loves it well yeah i mean it's it's a gasper noe film so you're either a fan or you're not uh, I know uh, Ben Woodywus, who's uh, another person who's uh, been on the podcast. He is a fan of this filmmaker, and uh, he's looking forward to this film. Uh, I, up to this point, had never seen a Gaspar Noé film. Uh, I had more or less avoided them. Uh, I really didn't want to see Irreversible, and I tried watching Enter the Void, and I got bored. So... Um, Yes, uh, Climax. Um, a group of dancers are practicing uh, for something because they don't explain what the something is for. It's just a group of dancers in a space, and um, you know they're they're parting because they the the rehearsals are now over and they're going off on tour. I think or again, not explained. And um, what we get is um, the idea that, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to spoil it. Uh, they, their, their punch gets spiked with LSD and they just go, and things get really nasty. And I thought this was this film was 
awful and just you know uh, you know I just did not I walked out of it did you um, I just thought it was just Yay. yeah I thought it was just people I just thought it was people being nasty for the sake of being nasty I mean there was just no payoff or build up or anything there wasn't like um, they were trying to be the lead dancer and they were trying to get one on over on each other uh, it wasn't like a unofficial remake of they shoot the horses don't they which is about a dance fun where they, people have to keep on dancing and the last person standing is the winner. Um, you know, it just... it. I mean, I enjoyed... I thought the actual dancing itself, from what I saw, I, I enjoyed. Um, I could have done without the sort of talking heads bits, especially about the two guys who kept talking about anal or the should you lube or not lube. <laughs> And see that's Alan Jones for you. <laughs> and and the thing was, so the you know the director comes on and he didn't. I don't know if it was nerves or he just wasn't interested in being there. Uh, but he's you know it's just like well I come up with this idea I, I write five pages and we we improvised everything mm. and I asked the actors who do you want to kiss who you want to fuck who you want to kill who you want to beat up you know and just like. And it felt like mm. that. There was just no aim to it. And when the when the woman kicked the other girl, the pregnant woman in the stomach, that was it for me. I was like, this is just being nasty. And yeah, uh, I walked out. But uh, so what did you guys think of it? Um, well, I, I've got to say, uh, I didn't enjoy this either. Um, I, I had seen Irreversible uh his previous work and even though irreversible is a very hard watch i thought in terms of what he'd done with with narrative structure and whatever in that film was re really interesting and really innovative um i was hoping for sort of the same thing here and i was kind of with it for the first 20 minutes or so where i thought you know you had this sort of single shot uh, camera shot moving around of of all of these uh, dancers basically uh, you know partying and dancing and all that and it was kind of interesting to start with you know the soundtrack was very good that accompanied it and um, you, you know that was great um, but you know like you've stated when it got to the talking head stuff um, you know I thought the problem here, I thought it was a very daring experiment that he that he tried. But in my opinion, it's an experiment that didn't work. And it's because um, with the exception of Sophia Batella, who who is a very good actress, who's who I've loved in everything that I've seen her in. But um, my, my understanding is pretty much everybody else uh, would were dancers that weren't necessarily trained in any acting and they were given free reign to improvise and that's where the problem lied because uh you did you got this horrible generic stuff you know with guys talking about you know how how they fuck women and whether they should lube and whether they do anal and all that sort of stuff which which was very sort of um you know it got really boring you know you know because it went on too long that stuff um, you got characters that I didn't care about 
any of the characters whatsoever. In fact, I found them all quite despicable. So I hadn't invested in any of them. Um, and I found it dull and boring. And the, 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 the bit that started off interesting with it got really boring after a while. And, the, the, you know, even down to the camera work and whatever. And, you know, some of these, some of these dancers weren't good actors. I, I could see them looking at the camera um you, you know being very aware of the camera where it was supposed to be um you, you know it was supposed to be naturalistic in that fact they weren't supposed to know there was a camera filming them um and yeah just horrible it was just nasty for nasty's sake and i felt it was a bold experiment i i, I salute them for trying it but do, did i think it worked no did I think it should have been the closing film of Fright Fest? Absolutely not. But then again, it was an Arrow release. And obviously, Arrow were the main sponsors this year. So I can kind of see why um, why it did it. But when the director talked about it at the beginning, which was a bit interesting, but when he said about this sort of, um, you know, basically five five pages with a with a line on each of things that happen and sort of let it go from there i saw i thought to myself well this can go one of two ways and either be really compelling and interesting or pretty awful and i think it went pretty awful but i know a lot of people that absolutely love this so it's one of those films that's really polarized the audience um did it do any do any of you guys love it um, my view is that it's a brilliant shit film. And <laughs> the, the reason I say that is because when I was watching it, I, I thought the dancing was phenomenal that with the soundtrack and the way it was all put together, I just found myself feeling like I was trapped in this fucked up party that was all going wrong and you didn't know what was going to happen next. And it was quite hypnotic in a way. But at the same time, it also had all the flaws that you mentioned. And in the end, it's not the sort of film I'm going to buy on fucking off of Arrow, that's for sure. I don't want to watch that again. But on the massive screen, it had something which kept me glued to the screen. And afterwards, I felt like I, I felt like I'd been, you know, I felt like I'd been, you know, stuck at this party with all these assholes. Um, that's all I can say, really. Mm. Clive, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very mixed on this one. Um, it, I, I thought some of the, uh, you know, I, I kind of agree with Mike. It, it's sort of that there's some of the filmmaking is absolutely astoundingly good uh, and it's and this the i love the the soundtrack uh some of the the, the dancing in the opening sequence is, is brilliant and uh you know so, some of this just some of the things that that's achieved on screen are kind of jaw-dropping and and considering that so that apparently so much of it was improvised the, the the way the the way uh, the, the the camera movement is choreographed with the movement of the dancers i thought was was wonderful um i think where it succeeds is getting giving you uh, in making you so immersed in the cinematic experience that you 
actually start to feel sick as the film goes on. It really gives you that sense of being on a bad trip of like, uh, you know, to the point where, you know, at one point the film, you know, uh, inverts, you know, uh, and, and it's sort of, and it, and it does all these various things. I mean, so on the one hand, you know, brilliant. On the other hand, you've, uh, there are, there, there are very, you know, it really does suffer from a lack of, of scripts and memorable characters. And, and, it, and it, it just, it gets sort of tedious just how awful people are to each other in this movie. Um, I, I, you know, I, 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 I didn't hate everyone in it. I, I was kind of interested in the Sophie Boutella character. Uh, I really, I, I, you know, I, I was sort of, you know, wanting the, the child to somehow get out of this, um, uh, the, the sort of one innocent in there. Uh, ultimately, I, I got I got rather sort of bored with it, and and the sort of it's uh, a very uh, thin uh, whodunit as well, isn't it? Which I thought was actually okay. There was a reveal at the end of because everyone was accusing everyone who put the LSD or the drug in the fucking punch, and you do find out if they hadn't have done that, I would I would have downgraded it even more. Yeah. But I thought that was quite I like ah oh, right okay, you know. It was hypnotic, though. That's what I found. Uh, yeah, it was, was it, but not uh, that. That that to me didn't make it good. But you know, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It, it, it's it's it's, right. a, it's a it's a brilliant shit film at the same time. It's got it's it's a it's a weird dichotomy of of things going on, and it's it certainly made me and Ryan after chat about it, and we both said there's no way that should have been the closing film of Fright Fest. But then again. Night Fright Fest, I probably wouldn't even have wanted to watch it otherwise. So it sort of almost forces you to watch certain films that may not be normally within your, you know, arena of interest. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But as I said, I know people who think this is brilliant. Um, so uh, it, it is a very divisive film. Uh, definitely, it's, but, it's, yeah. it's certainly it's certainly memorable. Uh, I'd say. Yeah, but, uh, I wouldn't say brilliant. Memorable is very good because it does it does impact you, and it is a it is an audio visual overload. And as I said, it did make me feel like you're uh, an unwilling, you know, uh, fly on the wall to this yeah. thing. And you and I and it did make me think. Christ, I want to get out of here. I don't want to be with all these assholes with all this shit going down but then at the same time it kept me i you know i watched it and i didn't fall asleep and it you know held my attention yeah so yeah bizarre. well you know like like any party you can leave i know <laughs> you did party. <laughs> i did i did uh, I, think I just wanted to get to the end of it just so i could have an opinion on it rather rather than hmm. You know, I mean, the bit where that big blackbird starts booting that woman—that was like you say, it was. It, it had a nasty, yeah, cynical, uh, you know, edge to it, didn't it? But there again, yeah, real life. That was just real life can be like, yeah, yeah. But also, real life is nasty in certain areas of life. There is certain brutality, nastiness. So. You can, you know, nastiness should have an, a point to it, and there, there was no point to it. It was just somebody being really nasty to somebody else for no reason at all within a film. 
Oh, yeah, but in real life that happens. <laughs> yes, in real life it happens. That's but we're I'm talking saying. about film. Yeah, I know. It, w- it wasn't really entertainment, was it? No. It's just like, you know what? Um, I've got better things I can do with my time. Yeah. I'm going for a drink uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm yeah, you know, it, it, he's a divisive filmmaker. He sets out to make films that will divide audiences. They either love it or hate it. Yeah. You know, and good for him because, you know, he, he does well out of it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for me, you know, I just went, well, you know, this I, this is just going to get nastier or, you know, and it's just like, fine, I've seen enough of this to, not, to have an opinion. Yeah. And my opinion is, I don't agree with a lot of what you guys said. It was, you know, the camera work and it was great. The dancing was, was really well choreographed and worked really well with the soundtrack. Uh, the sort of the long takes, the oneers with the steady cam, it helped you draw in, draw you into that location, and you know follow those people. Uh, but then the improvised uh, manner of the film, mm-hmm. I thought was was boring, um, and you know there was there was nobody to sort of kind of get behind. They were all kind of equally horrible people, and. Yeah. You know, you just knew that they were all going to be horrible to each other, and just you know, and it was just like, ah, yeah. You'll have to you'll have to tell me off air though who spiked the punch because I, I I am interested yeah. in that. Yeah. But uh, we won't ruin it for listeners. No. I'm not sure I even remember, but there you go. Oh, I do. <laughs> yeah. So it brings us to the end of a very, very long, long podcast. podcast. Yeah, podcast, and and yeah. Uh, obviously uh, too many people to give shout outs to of our. Uh, friends at fight fright fest this year but you know who you are if you're listening so um uh yeah good to see you all <laughs> i mean uh, i uh, i mean I, I know it's been over three hours and hey if you're still listening thank you um should we quickly do our sort of our, our like our top films of the festival our, our movie heavens sure <laughs> yeah uh well well upgrade um the man who killed Hitler and then Bigfoot, um, summer of '84, uh, 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 incident in a ghost land, one cut of the uh, dead, Chuck Still, yeah, yeah, they're, the they're all solid choices, yeah. Oh, and the, the where, home is where the hell is, or hell is where the home is. Yeah. Uh, terrified. Yeah, I agree with those. I would add to that. Uh, I'd say uh, possum. Uh, incident in a ghost land, uh, life changer, and await further instructions. Yeah, I'm going to track those down, Clive. They sound good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to check out some yeah. of those. Uh, as I said, if I had to pick one for heaven, it would probably be Upgrade. And uh, I'm just trying to think, movie hell. Well, there, there were a few, but um, do you know, I, I, I'd stick Climax in movie hell. Actually, I didn't like it. He's out. He's there. out there. There, yeah. Fright Fest. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, Doc, films that I, I wish I, I had caught. Uh, I would have actually, I, I would have actually liked to have seen the uh, documentary about Fright Fest, the festival. Yeah. Uh, supposedly, I'm in it. Really? I've been told. Yeah. Right. I don't know what. Is that you and Alan Jones I've, coming out of a toilet? <laughs> with a copy of your film in his hand 
Well, man's got to make a living, uh, doesn't he? Yeah. I, I was t- I was told the Hammer documentary was very good as well. Yeah, I fucked um, up. Yeah. I didn't. Re- I thought they were they were screening films, but I didn't realise it was a documentary. I would have I would have uh, gone to that. Also, I'm interested in seeing the Flash Gordon uh, documentary, Life After Flash, um, the Monster Squad. <laughs> it's one, called Ted, uh, isn't it? Got Life Nos. After Flash. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, download yeah. the PDF of the program is always a good idea because at least it gives you something to look out for, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure there was many other films we missed because there were so many at this. Oh yeah, screen. you can't see Clive. everything. Yeah. What was Clive's hell? Yeah. My hell uh, was Control. Um, uh, yeah, it just uh, that just didn't hit for me at all. Uh, I would just like to sort of give an honourable mention to. A film which is my favourite film of Glasgow Fright Fest, which played also this one, which was the uh, 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 movie which I, I, it called Tigers Are Not Afraid. Oh yeah, which oh is the, yeah. Uh, yeah, the that Mex- was Mexican uh, uh, movie, which is absolutely beautiful, uh, and I would absolutely recommend without hesitation. Um, yeah. Uh, there were we, a did, we didn't that get I've... a chance to do a uh, Glasgow one this year, did we? It was one of those. Uh, no, no, well, the, 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 the weather and and everything sort of was against us there, but uh, I, I might uh, be up for that this year, next year rather. <laughs> it's very good. Uh, it, it, it it is very good. Uh, it, it, but two years in a row where where the weather's been a bit been been so grim it's I, I, it's difficult but yeah, yeah and you know to... you just know that after this summer we're going to have a fucking belter of the winter don't you <laughs> you just know it mm. oh we had a belter of a winter this yeah, year yeah so. exactly but what was weird is it yeah. in in march we had thick snow and then uh you know like last month we had you know 30 plus degrees so it's crazy yeah it's, it's officially the hottest summer on record now yeah. yeah, yeah, hotter than seventy six. There you go. Um, anyway, you go. Uh, I think uh, we should right. probably uh, wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, wrap things we? up because we're yeah. nearly at four hours, aren't we? <laughs> it's like yes. Um, good job we didn't have any more guests because there were more we could have invited, but uh, uh, it was just as well we started up the climax. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, um, Mike, where can people find out more of, about your work? Apocalypticconservatory.com. Uh, I think that's it, really. Okay. Also, uh, check out Mike's films on YouTube. Just search uh, Apocalyptic Conservatory and you'll find Are you them. inspired to make a feature after Fright Fest, Mike? We say this every year and uh, it's been like six, <laughs> six in a row, in a row now. now. I'm going to make one about a wimpy bar where someone puts LSD in the burgers. <laughs> nice. And everyone goes ape shit with, with milkshakes and benders. <laughs> well, if you're looking for a wimpy location... There, it's there one is one Bain. here. There's one in South Bain. Bain. Yeah, well, there's no, one in Stratford. Sausage. <laughs> yeah. They turn all the men's sausages into benders and they cut them all the way down. Oh uh, gosh, right, okay. That's ex- an idea. Excellent. Uh, so, uh, Clive, uh, where can people find out more about your work? <laughs> uh, if they want to, if they want to check out my work as a, uh, a director, they can go to Vimeo and put my name in Clive Ashton, and they will find my most recent shorts. Or they can go to Mike's Apocalyptic Conservatories page if they want to see some of my work as an actor. Uh, 
alongside Mr. Keith Isles. And Keith, where can people find your work? Uh, yeah, if you go to YouTube and put in British Isles, that's E-Y-L-E-S, as in my last name, you'll find some short films that I made on no budget there, uh, but they're all within the horror thriller genre. So if you're listening to this podcast, you might want to check some of those out. If you could also go on to YouTube and uh, put in Rebecca Gold, the web series, um, this is going to be launched very soon, but we're looking for as many subscribers as possible. So Rebecca Gold, the web series uh, directed by Ian David Diaz, um, starring Katie Sheridan, who is in Heretics. Uh, I'm involved in that as well. If you could um, subscribe and like that, that would be fantastic, too. And we'll have more on that in future podcasts. And as always, you can find my work at independentrunnings.com. And if you want to check out my horror film, uh, Blood and Roses, you can find it on Amazon Prime. It's uh, streaming on there, uh, free to members. Or uh, you can uh, you can rent it, or you can buy the download. And uh, also, you can buy the DVD of it over on Amazon.com. So, you know, and it's region free. So, you know, do get it. You know, check it out. Uh, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I sneezed inadvertently there. I told you I'm not well. I'll try again. Sorry, yeah. say again. It's a good say thing again. I edit these. Um, <laughs> you yeah. can listen to this podcast on <laughs> iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and all good podcast providers. You can follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Just search Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. And please leave us a rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. It all helps. So, oh, we made it to the end. And it just leaves me to thank our guests, Mike and Clive, for joining us. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you for having me, Simon. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having us. Uh, it's, it's It's been... It, well, I, I felt like I've relived Fright Fest, but it's been almost as long. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, Please join us for the next episode of Movie Heaven, Movie Hell, which I promise won't be as long.